We do have a podcast, and welcome in to those listening on the podcast. This is the D3 Hoops presented Hoopsville. Let's try that again. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and we are breaking down the tournament as we now see them in the men's and women's side. The march to Salem and the march to Capitol in Indianapolis is on for the men and women. Um, again, got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville if you're just tuning in on an archive perfectly fine we have our brackets we'll answer your questions we'll even try and do it when we're not on the air our reminder this is a special show today and we will have a special show or we'll be back to our normal schedule on thursday forgive me i printed up a number of copies of the bracket i got to get them in my hand um there we go um, if you want more information on the brackets, you can find it at d3hoops.com. Obviously, a lot to talk about as we go along. Um, for the record, Pat and I are getting a little too good at this. Maybe he's not allowed to step away from the day-to-day operations at d3hoops.com, or at the very least, with him not performing the day-to-day operations, I expect him to be uh, even in better shape for the at-large selection show um, as we will uh, be looking to... Uh, continue our streak. Last year, we were 19 for 19 on the men's side, 18 for 20 on the women's side. This year, we were 18 for 19 on the men's side, 19 for 20 on the women's side. I am not going to complain about those numbers. This is a very difficult situation, very difficult to pick teams. And to be honest with you, splitting hairs when you get to the bottom. I will admit on the men's side, not surprised that LaGrange got in over NJCU. I think it was really a tough decision when it came down to it. I am a little surprised that DeSales didn't make the, the uh, tournament. The question is, who do they who do they get in over, or do they not get in over? And it may be St. John Fisher, but I don't know if that's actually accurate. Um, we will hear from committee chairs later in the show, though, with a twist. We will hear from Brian Van Haften from uh, Iowa, uh, from the IIOC. Uh, IOC. What am I making? I'm, t- I'm talking like the International Olympic Committee from the. <laughs> let's try that again. I will. We will hear from the IIAC. He's the men's basketball committee chair. Brian will be joining us later. We'll also hear from two people on the women's side. We're going to hear from Carrie Carollo from Wisconsin Whitewater to start with, but she spent a lot of time off the call because Whitewater is at the table, as we discussed last night on the show. So, in as a result of that, we will actually hear from. Uh, Bobby Morgan from Haverford, who apparently took over most of the call duties while Carrie was off. We're going to hear from both of them. Who knows what kind of information we get from either committee chair or assistant committee chair. Um, but we'll at least ask questions and try and get answers along the way. You don't get to see me in a suit all that often, everybody. So you ought to be tuning in. Okay? You ought to be tuning in. And speaking of me in a suit... You ought to be donating for the Hoopsville fundraiser. Now, you may have watched last night and go, that expired. Well, we weren't going to hit our goal, and we are allowed a one-time extension of our uh, time frame for the fundraiser. We extended it through Thursday night, and then that's it. We're closing in on the goal, but we haven't gotten there. Folks, please help us. We'll have more information later. Got a number of guests that we are scrambling to book as we speak. My day is a little bit crazy, a little bit inside baseball for you. But I wake up in the morning, I go get my cup of coffee, which I've only drank half of. I was that darn busy. I I like my coffee. 
I didn't drink enough of it today. Then I start. Uh, I got the brackets early this morning on the men's side, started breaking them down, talked to the men's committee chair. Then that transitioned into getting the women's bracket. Didn't have time to look at that because I then had to get ready to tape the NCAA show with the men. That had some technical difficulties, so we were pushing the, the, the 1230 show a little bit. Got that on the air. I was already focusing on the women's show. The women's show then went on the air at 2.30, and now we're here. We haven't had much of a time to break. I know you didn't really care about a lot of that, but that's why we're a little bit running ragged. But here's who we've got booked so far, and they're flowing in. Thank you, Mr. Pat Coleman, for the help. We will hear from George Fox's Michael Meek. George Fox on the women's side will be traveling, as we thought they might be, on the opening weekend. They're heading to Stevens Point. It's a doozy of a pod. We'll talk to Michael Meek coming up. Then we'll talk to Scranton's Carl Danzig on the men's side of things. Carl's team making the NCAA tournament, and they have a fascinating matchup with Lynchburg in the opening round, those games being played at John Carroll. We'll talk to uh, Carl Danzig about that. Then we'll switch back to women, talk to NYU's Lauren Hall-Gregory. Team certainly did not win a lot of games in the close of the season, but they are in the NCAA tournament, and they've got a fascinating first-round matchup uh, themselves. Coming up at 4.30, Marianne uh, O'Connor Ermey will join us. Uh, Looking forward to chatting with her. And then Kendall Wallace will join us as well. That's all coming up. Um... LaGrange is Kendall Wallace, I should say, by the way, on the men's side of things, obviously. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, Coach Ermi um, joining us. Um, looking forward to hearing her thoughts on making the tournament. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm trying. Sorry, I've got like three things going on. Um, I don't remember. Anyway, um, so if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Ryan Scott, how much sleep did I get? I got a little less than five, and that's what have been about what I've been averaging since July. So it was a typical night. Um, women's bracket, very typically regional, not a lot of crossover. Um, what do you mean by crossover, Ryan? Uh, I don't think it was as regionally bad as you think. I do agree with you. There was some regionality to it. Could they have gotten a little bit more cute than having Wisconsin, Whitewater, Wisconsin, Superior, Wartburg, and Wisconsin Lutheran in a pod? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, But we got Christopher Newport, St. Joseph, St. John Fisher, and Muhlenberg all playing each other. So, I, you know, I think for some sections where it was very diverse, I think in other sections it wasn't so much. I think it's a little bit of a crossover. We even got that on the men's side. There's a couple all Great Lakes pods on the men's side. Um, some of it's just unavoidable. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dinging the women too much in that category. I don't think it was as, as bad as, as maybe as others may, 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 may consider it. Hold on. Uh, got, got trying to get up chat rooms and make sure I'm monitoring where everybody may be chatting about things. Um, we're going to be going just a couple minutes here real quick. Uh, oh yeah. You know what? That's a good idea. Mr. JJ Nakaloff. I like my tie though. He's got a good call. How about we loosen up the tie? It's not as formal. There we go. I'm not going to take the jacket off because, again, all the white uh, will blow out the camera. We already saw that when I began the show, so we're not going to do that. The jacket will stay on just for the sake of the camera and the lighting. (laughs) Uh, There's a a rule in television. You don't wear all white. And I wasn't because I'm wearing a tie and a jacket. But then when I did Hoopsville and I didn't have the jacket on, I broke that rule. Uh, But thank you, JJ. Ties off. Feeling a lot more relaxed. Uh, Coach says, well, the guys at D3 Hoopsville show had it correct. Three from the CAC losing two of three, even beating the Mules up there, no go. Yep, unfortunately, hate to say it. Uh, McDaniel, two and one on the women's side against Muhlenberg, but that was it. 
They didn't have much else on that resume that was going to get them in or to the table for that matter. Um, so, yeah, no surprise on that side whatsoever, in my opinion. Um, let's see here. Good. I'm just looking at confirmed guests. So forgive me as I play producer and host all at the same time and a little bit of director. Um, uh, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo. Yeah, so that's all we got there. So if you got questions for us, fire them our way. Congratulations to everybody who made the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to LaGrange men who uh, were probably happy that we were wrong. And congratulations to the St. John Fisher women who were probably glad that we got it wrong. I apologize to the Jersey City men and the DeSales women. I know they had their hopes up based a little bit on our decisions. Now, I feel bad that you're not in the tournament. We'll try and find out why you're not in the tournament. No guarantees as committee mem uh, committee chairs aren't always that talkative when it comes to that, that bit. Um, so, again, we're going to take a, a break here momentarily, but throughout the show we will try and answer your questions uh, there are some fascinating things. Let me give you some quick uh, thoughts. Of course, if you watched the bracket show, you heard some of my thoughts already, though I, some of them I was a little bit more kosher about. On the women's side, for example, we've got that George Fox grouping uh, going to Stevens Point. We'll talk to the head coach there. I mean, George Fox versus St. Norbert and Stevens Point versus DePaul is a brutal foursome in, in many historical ways, in historical ways. Uh, on the other side, it's Texas Tyler, Santa Cruz, Claremont Scripps, and Trinity, the Cal v. Texas pod. Uh, that's a fascinating little eight sum in there. I'm not sure um, if there's any ways to avoid it. Clearly, there's gonna they're they're gambling on at least one flight, if not two. It'll be interesting to see where all these teams come out, and uh, it could end up going to St. Thomas, believe it or not, if they if they win out. Um, I don't see George Fox hosting this tournament at all this year. The other side of that, again, was all the Wisconsins. Don't love that side, but I kind of love some of the other matchups. Quickly on the other men's side, we'll talk more about this as we go on. Um, I kind of liked a lot of the things that the men did. Didn't love everything. We're going to be talking about that John Carroll, St. Vincent, Alma, Dennison pod, I suspect. There's a lot of people wondering why Alma wasn't playing, maybe, or Dennison wasn't playing John Carroll and St. Vincent wasn't playing Alma. But we'll get more on that from uh, their head coach as we go further. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Michael Meeks will join us. We'll talk to him about uh, the selections um, and his travel ahead of him. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope right after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. 
Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Talking to a number of people about what's going on in the uh, with these brackets. Uh, we've got our teams in. What do we think of matchups, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a lot of guests to get through. We want to kind of keep the pace going. So we're going to get right to our first guest. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach, the number two ranked George Fox uh, team and coach, hold on a second. I just realized I didn't put my earpiece in, so at this point, I'm not going to hear a word you have to say. But in the meantime, you can at least tell everybody uh, if you're happy or not about making the tournament. Oh, you know, we're we're obviously, you know, we knew we got the the automatic bid, so we're elated to be in it. Uh, just coming into season, I think that uh, we had a lot to overcome with just new players and. Uh, you know, graduating a great class, so we're we're thrilled to to be in this situation for sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because uh, you know the the conference is down a little bit. You guys weren't expecting to be as good as last year, though. You ran through everything undefeated yet again. Uh, kind of a little bit of a dichotomy with everything. Just a little bit of a different year in in many ways. Yeah, I I, I think so. Though I you know I, as you know we talked before, just have so much respect for our league and and kind of what, what our league has accomplished year after year. I mean, considering the fact that, uh, you know, we, uh, we really only typically have a chance to get one team pass around to 32 and to, to have had four teams, or, you know, in the, in, the, in the last seven years to make the national championship game is, is just, I think it speaks for the, the strength of our league year after year. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, of course, uh, you know, back our league in the in the, in the fact that uh you know they play a lot of other tough western region teams and it, it would have been nice to see more teams in for sure because i think uh, our, our league is all, all, always capable of um, doing some good things in the tournament um interestingly enough you know you're going to hit the road here and it's funny because last night um we kind of saw a quirk you know with with the with the Banana slugs in the tournament with Claremont Mud scripts in the tournament. And yourself, we all kind of all of a sudden realized, oh, wait, this isn't a slam dunk hosting opportunity for George Fox. They may have to hit the road. Well, your thoughts that so you're going to head to Wisconsin on the first weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I you know, of course, our thought was uh, with, with those teams going in, and, and unless they, you know, were, I, not knowing where they put in for the bids, if, yeah. if they hadn't not known where they're going to finish, that that I think, uh, you know, at that time thought that really played in our favor to, to send two teams up. It guaranteed three flights regardless um, and, you know, felt like our, our body of work over not only over the years but here as well uh, would, would uh, give us a good opportunity to host. I, I of course, right now just focusing on our first opponent, and uh, but but I, I haven't really looked to see how many people they're really flying out. So, if you know, I, I, I'm a little uncertain of how, how it worked out that way. Uh, you, you obviously would know more, but uh, to me, when, when I thought there, there was a guarantee of three flights, that probably boded pretty well for us. Yeah, the problem is they had to deal something. They had to send somebody to California, uh, to Texas. They only had two teams sitting in Texas. 
So that that you know, you start adding flights when you start considering Texas. You know, if Texas is going to um, yeah. get shipped out somewhere, that's two more flights, and they can only go one to you. Um, that's another. You know, there's two flights coming out of California, so now we're talking four flights. If they, yeah. you know, it, it gets complicated, uh, and I, I think this may have been the least they could do. Uh, considering the circumstances. Yeah, and, and again, like I said, I, I really hadn't had a chance to look yeah. at it, and, and right now we're, we're you know, obvi- obviously uh, love to be at home. I think it, it creates strong advantages to go deeper into the tournament. And uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're excited about the opportunity, and we're focusing on who we have to play. And uh, we, know, we know we have more than our work cut out for us. Uh, the, the, the pod we've been put in, obviously, a lot of traditionally strong teams yeah. there. and. Uh, you know, we're just we're just going to make the most of it. So I, I think it just it shows, you know, it continues to show how difficult it is for the teams in the West to really yeah. make deep runs. And, and, and it also just being so proud of how our league has done over the, the years with, with all the, you know, the, the tough, you know, tough draws that we have to go through. Uh, are you surprised? Oh, not surprised. Let me let me back up. Uh, let me go to the pod first. How soon did you start breaking down St. Norbert once they were announced? <laughs> oh, we're, we're just starting to work on it right now. So, uh, so we're we're already uh, going to work on it. But you know, we're we're j- obviously it's just been a you know not too long since the field was announced. So so it was definitely was a surprise, I and mean, we we thought we were probably going to see UC Santa Cruz or or Claremont or something to that effect, uh, but. You know, it is what it is, and, and we just know at this point, you know, really any team we're going to see are, are, are going to be tough, and especially going on the road, it, it makes it that that yeah. much tougher. And uh, you know, but we're 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 you know we're up for anything, and and we're we're this has been a tough team, a team that's really showed a lot of resilience throughout the year, and uh, and I would expect nothing different. Uh, I, I know that um, they they know that the. Uh, it's only going to get tougher from here on out. And curiosity, I mean, you played uh, Santa Cruz earlier this season. You played Claremont Mud Scripps earlier this season. Uh, the Santa uh-huh. Cruz game was a, an 18-point win. Claremont Mud Scripps was a battle. Uh, they led pretty nicely yeah, at yeah. one point, and, they, and you guys came back to win. Um, what can you tell us about those two teams? Obviously, you're not preparing for them, but just because you got a chance to see those, and they're in the tournament too. Well, I think, you know, Todd at Santa Cruz just really done a great job. And, you know, it's, a, it's been a tough situation being, you know, more or less an independent team and finally getting a, a real chance to, to kind of make his way into it. I'm really happy for him. And uh, I, I do know that, you know, we've played them, you know, year after year. And and, and, and he does a great job. They, they have a, a really solid all-around team with uh, good interior play, some young kids there, some, you know, some really – nice long shooting wings that, that really can do some great things. I think one and one for 33 last game. And uh, they're, you know, they're, they're capable of coming in and, you know, going on the road and, and making it tough for teams. And uh, Claremont obviously is, you know, Kristen's done a great job there as well. And uh, you know, that, that, that I think was a really, uh, a really good uh, thing for us as far as kind of showing the toughness of our team at that point, we, we knew going in that game, that was going to be a tough one. They've been, you know, the top of this guy act the last few years. And uh, they're, they're a very good team. They're very, they're young. They've got some, you know, great, really great point guard play. They've got a lot of shooting. They've got good inside play. And uh, they're, they're, they're definitely going to be a tough game for whoever they play as well. Uh, coming back to your squad, um, you're used to traveling. I mean, last year obviously was a, a very different enigma in the sense that you stayed out <laughs> east of the of the right. Mississippi uh, between the second weekend and uh, the Final Four anyway. So traveling's nothing new to you guys, but uh, what off the top of your head, what do you think the schedule will be for this week? What, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't get that last part. What, well, what, just uh, off the top of your what head, gonna... what do you think the schedule for you guys will be this week? 
Well, we'll we'll try to you know fly out as you know stay here and practice as long as we can, and then and then fly out. I, w- I would say sometimes probably late Wednesday or when it, you know we're, whenever we're allowed to fly out. Uh, it's a, it's obviously a a long trip for us. Uh, a lot of times these these flights are uh, connection flights as well, so uh, it's usually an all day kind of a thing for us to to get to these places. So you know we're used to it. Um, but it's also one of those things you, you you really can't ever get used to the time change and, and that sort of a period and uh, and 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 the travel and the, the the you know the all the all the repercussions with having to travel that far and that type of thing. So it's it's a grind, you know, and it's just it's one more thing that we know is uh, just going to make it that much more difficult. Uh, but but again, I, I I've been really proud of, of this team in particular, just how how much they've been up to the task when the when the they're kind of on the ropes. Yeah, unfortunately, Stevens Point's not near a big airport that you could fly direct like to Chicago and then drive up or something like that out of Portland. Yeah, we'll yeah. see how that all plays so out. We, yeah, we obviously went there uh, my second year here. And, yeah. uh, that that was a long day, long day there, okay. long day back. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's uh, I can't, I can't describe how tough it is for us, you know, teams in the West to, to take flights like that. Obviously when we, we had a great opportunity playing the D3 Hoops Classic, and, and that's a much easier flight for us, a much different type of experience. And most of the travel that we do is, you know, in the California area as well. And it's it's a it's a, a lot different thing than having to go uh, go go towards the east. Um, quickly about your team, uh, you talk about how much you lost last year, and you have a couple seniors leading the way now. You lose a you lose this talent as well, Justine Brent, uh, Bennard, Sammy. Yep. Uh, no, I can't say Sammy. Now I, yep. Thank you. Now um, I, yep. Leading the team. And obviously, Caitlin Jamison obviously just closed uh, right on the doorstep of 10 uh, points a game. And Benner yep. and Jamison both six-plus rebounds a game. Give us a little bit of a, of a snapshot of your squad, though. Well, we've got three seniors, uh, you know, with Justine and, and Sammy Nalawai and Nicole Blizzard, who just really have all been, uh, you know, a huge part of this run, not only this year, but last year. And uh, they're they're you know great show, bring great veteran leadership. They're they're all great athletes that are versatile and uh, it's it's really been neat to to kind of see them take over the leadership role and uh, with with such an amazing group last year of leaders and and how they've really been able to keep things going. And we really came into the season thinking it was going to be a a work in progress and uh, we you know we felt like we had the talent to to maybe get back, but we really felt like it was just going to be a grind to try to get through our league and. Uh, so I, I and, 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 it, and it was, I mean, we've got, we had a lot of close games in our league and uh, I think the toughness of this team is, you know, well prepared for the tournament. And, and then from there, we, we really have a bunch of youth. So I, you know, I'm really, really excited about this group, but also the future. And, uh, you know, Caitlin Jameson is came in as a sophomore and really has stepped up and has had a, uh, a super year. Kim Frost, our, our point guard was, you know, played a significant role for us last year, but a, just a much bigger and much different role this year. And uh, I, I think our, our team speed is, is very good, and um, I, I think that is that in itself is, has given opponents problems at times. Um, before we let you go, the conference, you know, no extra bids this season. It just was a little bit of an off year. Um, this is a conference that's usually gotten two, th- even three bids in the tournament, which has certainly made uh-huh. it interesting for you guys hosting wise. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, everybody, you know, somebody's got to play each other. Uh, unfortunately, the first round is this just an anomaly? Is it how good is the teams behind you, and are we going to see everybody back in the mix again next year? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like from top to bottom, I think since since I've been here, our, our league was as difficult as it has been. Just. Uh, from a night in night out standpoint. And, uh, you know, I think our league was very young. Uh, 
I think, you know, there's a few teams like ourselves that have some very key veterans. But, uh, again, I, I, I think given a chance, uh, you know, given a chance to get outside of our West region just in general and how good the West has become and, and it's really shown so well in the tournament, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of teams in our league uh, that, that really could have had the opportunity and made a run. I also know how, the, the, how that kind of works and thought it was going to be a bit of a long shot to get more than one team in this year. Uh, so it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough when we get more than one, we have to go through each other. And when we get one, we have to go on the road, you know? And so I, I, I think it's uh it, it's, it's a grind anyway. We look at it and uh, we're, we're thankful to be in. We're, we're excited about the opportunity. Uh, we've loved having the opportunity in the past and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to be a new experience, I guess. Anyway, look at it and, and we're going to go out and, you know, really try to make the most of it. Well, Coach, thanks so much at the last minute to join me here on this special to talk about the squad and talk about the tournament. Good luck, obviously. Safe travels, more importantly than anything, but good luck this weekend out in Wisconsin. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Yeah, I just want to thank you again for all you do and, and how you just you know talk up Division Three and really really share what, what this whole division is all about. And it's just, I, I think, been phenomenal for all the sports in Division Three. And, uh, again, we're, we're – we're excited that the NCAA has given us this opportunity, and um, you know we're we're blessed to be a part of the tournament. Where we really didn't know coming into the season it was going to be a season like this, and uh, any any way we would slice it, we we're going to have a tough road. And so we're 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 just excited to be on the road still. So here we go. <laughs> That's true. Well, congratulations, Coach. Great seeing you in Vegas. Maybe I'll run into you down the road as well. And good luck the rest of the way. Awesome, Dave. Take care. Take care. Michael Meek joining us from the number 2 George Fox women's basketball team. Should point out the top 25s will come out later. Some of us have been a bit busy today, but most likely they'll stay at number 2. I can't imagine anything would change there. Again, they will take on St. Norbert in the first game at Stevens Point on Friday. Stevens Point will take on DePaul. Crazy foursome there, especially if you look at it historically. Um, and then on the other side of that pod or that quadrant, you could, uh, really, yeah, Texas Tyler will uh, will host Santa Cruz and Claremont Mud Scripps will host Trinity Texas. Uh, that's a fascinating foursome. I'm really curious to see how that all plays out. Uh, those two groups will play each other. Most likely, though, still out in the Wisconsin-Minnesota area is my gut feeling. I think it will end up at St. Thomas if they keep winning. If River Falls keeps winning, we're going back to Wisconsin. If Oshkosh keeps winning, it's going back to Oshkosh. I just don't see this going back west at any point in time. Got a question about which quarter of the men's bracket looks to be the easiest road to Salem. I'm not going to say any of them are easy, but the lower left-hand quadrant, the one, uh, the, the, the basically the group of 16 between Amherst and Skidmore, that lower left side seems to be the one that's got the teams with the most to, to prove. Um, yes, you have Babson in there made a Final Four last year, but they haven't been the team everyone expected. Are they Are they back in sync? Um, you got a Franklin and Marshall squad who's got a good record, but can they make a deep run in the tournament and are going to go up against a, a streaky Skidmore team? Amherst, you know, no one's really gotten a good pulse on them, and they're going to take on a weird, you know, weird team for them matchup-wise in Husson. Uh, I think that lower left's got the most question marks, and thus I'm not going to say easiest road by any stretch of the imagination because I don't think the committee puts easy roads together, but that one's the most um, interesting in terms of we're going to get some matchups I don't think people see coming. I, I think that one's going to have 
maybe the most uh, the biggest question mark in Salem. The team coming out of that, uh, of that group is going to have the biggest question mark when we get to Salem. You're going to take another break. When we come back, we will talk about the upper right-hand quadrant. Where are we? No, upper left-hand quadrant. We'll talk to Scranton men's basketball about their ch- trip into the NCAA tournament and how they feel it is shaping up for them. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoops Hope right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation an obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Celebrate the soggy shoes. And the slow starts. Celebrate the lessons learned along the way. These are the wins. Not the shiny nail-biting kind. These are the last a lifetime kind. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry, uh, a little bit of a technical difficulty there. And uh, having a little trouble getting our next guest, we'll try and get them on here momentarily. If you've got any questions for us, um, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Hopefully, uh, Scranton's men's basketball coach will be calling us here momentarily is our goal. Um, Hold on a second. Um, Well, 
I know why we didn't have a we had a problem. Hold on a second. You're going to take one more quick break and see if we can get Coach on the show. Listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. For the love of the game, Oh, we hit the wrong thing, but it doesn't matter. We're going to keep on going. You're listening to Hoops Hope. presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope you're enjoying this bracket special. We're slamming this one together with some of our guests, so apologize for that. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Talking to several guests who have made the NCAA tournament uh, on the men's and women's side. We're going to kind of bounce around, so forgive us just a little bit. We're going to go now over to the men's side of things. If you go into the upper left-hand corner where Benedictine has the uh, automatic bid, um, or I should say is the buy, uh, we'll take the two Texas schools on. You look at the next one down being hosted by Ohio Wesley, and they'll play on Pitt's Green, Pitt Greensburg. And then it's Lynchburg versus Scranton, and this one certainly got my attention. I think this one's a, a, one of the more fascinating matchups. These two teams have never faced each other before in their history, and I'm really kind of curious how this one's going to play out. Two teams with different mentalities just a little bit as well. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline from Scranton, head coach from the men's team, Carl Danzig. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on for here very much at the last minute uh, here on the show. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on making on the, making the tournament. I, I'm sure after the semifinal you got a little bit nervous when you guys couldn't get past, uh, what was it, Susquehanna? Yeah. Yep, correct. Yeah, you know, it's uh, generally you figure, you know, you got to be in that final game and, um, you know, you figure your chances are pretty good. But, uh uh, yeah, we're very pleased. It's a great, uh, it's a great uh, opportunity. Uh, I mean, I was even nervous, and your fans certainly didn't appreciate it on the D three boards when I made a case basically saying I don't like the position you guys are in. Um, Mid Atlantic ended up being pretty darn deep, and thankfully, not a lot of upsets ahead of you guys. Susquehanna and Salisbury got in, and that gave you guys a really good chance uh, to get in. Nice strength of schedule this season, but but outside of that, it was a battle in the landmark and we talked to um coach house of catholic last night about that from your point of view how tough was the landmark this season it was great um tremendous conference each year gets better and better and um you know i think we're in our ninth year right now and over the last couple of years we've gotten um you know obviously two teams in um and i think uh, you know the strength of us and susquehanna and catholic our schedules we all beat a lot of quality teams this year and it certainly made a difference i think 
Um, what's interesting, too, and I said this to Coach Howes, was the, the middle of the conference got more competitive. Susquehanna, who was picked to be second, lived up to that hype amazingly. I, I, was, I was surprised by that pick. They had a tremendous season. Juniata was in the mix. Merchant Marine came on late. And then the bottom of the conference, except for maybe one or two teams, became far more competitive. It seemed like you guys had to be on your toes more often in conference play than you've had to be in the last few years. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it, it is. It's, uh, and that's what's great to see. You know, we've got some new coaches in the mix now and some new energy. And, and obviously you saw us play down at Goucher and we, we somehow got out of there with a win. And, uh, you know, we, we escaped at Moravian, uh, coaches done a great job down there getting their boys going. And, um, so there's, you know, there wasn't, uh, there's not a lot of free passes now and everybody was in the mix. And, uh, and it says a lot for the conference, obviously. Hey, you know, you didn't have to beat my alma mater by 20 to follow that up, okay? We got the message. Thanks so much. Uh, but that, that Goucher game was in the middle of a four-game stretch there that got dicey. Uh, you lost to Susquehanna 78-63. You nearly lost to Goucher. Uh, Merchant Marine then tripped you up 66-65. Then Catholic beat you 73-62. That's a stretch of games that can derail a team in more ways than one, not just you know for the team themselves, but in at-large chances as well. How did you guys recover from that? Well, we uh, you know we were in the midst of making some changes with our uh, with our offense and uh, and the kids you know it's just, it was taking some time for things to click and uh, um, but we have some great team leadership uh, upperclassmen obviously uh, Brendan Boken did a great job of keeping everybody under control and uh, and uh, you know things just kind of clicked after that uh, last loss against Catholic we uh, snuck out of Moravian with a win and then we just kind of you know got going and. Um, you know all the, the adjustments that we made uh, started to gel finally, um, but it took us it took us some time. Uh, but we were, you know, the great thing is we started to peak at the right time, which is most important. Yeah, that is certainly the most important. Uh, obviously, we'll hit the road, um, traveling to Ohio Wesleyan, Delaware, Ohio. Have you even looked at the fact you'll be taking on Lynchburg yet? No, you know, I'm just starting to you know get familiar with them now. Um, you know, it's exciting for them. I think this is the first time they've won the conference mm-hmm. since the 70s, I yeah. think. And um, You guys are trip. just starting to get into the tournament every year by that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, a little different position. But, yeah. uh, you know, we've, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, we're, we're a program that's been fortunate. And what we've accomplished over the years, obviously, Bob Besswar did a great job getting this thing going here. But, you know, we will not take Lynchburg for granted. Um, they uh, very exciting program, um, took control of that conference, and uh, I had a great win over Randolph-Macon, who was always hard to beat. And um, I think they've got uh, a nice group of kids that, and, uh, that really play well. And I know they can put up numbers. Mm-hmm. I think they're scoring like 80-some points a game. Um, so we know we're going to have our hands full. And, um, you know, we got to – the good thing is, is we're going to a neutral court, and that'll <laughs> definitely help us. Hopefully, um, when you look at uh, Lynchburg, do you, have you even gotten scared at a number when you see 160 <laughs> points in a double overtime game yet? Yeah, how about that? I, I thought that was a misprint. <laughs> I was like, we haven't scored that many points in three games, so I like. But uh, you know, it's going to be fun and a couple of contrasting styles, and um, you know. But you know, at this point, as you know, we're very excited to be in. We were thinking we weren't going to get in, so obviously, whoever we're playing, we're thrilled and we're looking forward to the challenge. Uh, let's talk about your team a little bit, led by a, a guy everybody talks about, Brendan Boken, twenty-two and a half points a game, nearly uh, almost nine rebounds a game and then John Vickis the other guy inside 12 points a game eight rebounds a game you also have Kevin Doolin 
11 and a half points a game. Ethan Danzig, yet another son that has come through the system uh, at 10 points a game. Those are the, pretty much the big four, but that Vickis Boken duo. I, what I saw at Goucher kind of surprised me. They they can play their own inside-outside game if they have to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's kind of what we were working on over, you know, the games prior. Um, getting them to work together, we kind of moved them around, and uh, they've really become comfortable. And Brennan's done a great job of um, – you know, he's really – you know, he's very unselfish, doesn't get enough credit, um, and how he's able, you know, he draws double teams. And and so they've kind of worked out a, a nice chemistry and uh, really look for each other. And then Brennan's be able to, the other thing that's helped is Brennan's been able to expand his game to the perimeter a little bit, so that's helped out a lot too. So, big <laughs> positives. He's 18 for 51 from beyond the arc. That's definitely expanding the t- perimeter. Uh, he's a little bit more of a threat. But what's what's the secret to the team? I mean, what's it's it's not just the Boca and Vickis show. You guys have got to be able to produce in other ways. Well, certainly. I mean, we're, we're no secret with us. People look at us. It starts with the inside. And then, uh, you know, if... Um you know, my big kids are very unselfish, uh, and they understand. They read the defenses, kick it out, and if we're making shots on the perimeter, then the game's easy. There's no secrets, you know. Um, so we rely on, on Ethan, Danzig, and Doolin. Um, we're getting a nice spark off the bench with Chris McCullough now over the last few games. Mitch Cross has been another um, comer. He's uh, starting to play really well now here at the end of the year. So we're getting some positive things from our bench, and um, but it really all starts with the inside for us so if we can score it draws the defenses in and opens up the outside well three teams from the landmark certainly is a a nice feather in the cap for the conference congratulations on making what is this a 27th i think i wrote down uh appearance by the the royals this one's it's not become old hat for you guys but it's certainly become expected is it not yeah, there's uh, there's certainly a standard there, and and we embrace it. You know, that's what it's about. The kids that we recruit here, that's you know, they know what they're getting involved with, and so we're we're thrilled, and it's always an honor that we can uh, be a part of the NCAA tournament. Well, thank you so much, Carl, for coming on the show. Such last minute as always to give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, it's uh, it's an exciting event, and uh, you know the NCA, no matter one, two, or three, is a great thing. Lifetime memories for these kids, and uh, we're excited to get on our journey and create our own memories. So, Dave, appreciate all the good work that you guys do there uh, for us at our level, and uh, keep it going. Thank you, Carl. Take care. Good luck, and do do me a favor. Give Mark Dewitt a, or Mike Dewitt a hard time at Ohio Wesleyan for me. Will <laughs> we'll do, buddy. Very good. Thanks, Carl. Take care. Take care, Dick. Carl Danzig from Scranton joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem. City of Salem, of course, the host of the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship weekend coming up in a couple of weeks. Join us in the Roanoke Valley as we crown the 19th Men's Champion and, and welcome the 20th Championship weekend to the Roanoke Valley. We certainly would love to have you. Scranton would love to be there. They're going to have to get through Lynchburg first and then either uh, Pitt, Greensburg, Ohio, Wesleyan on the other side, and then it gets really interesting. They're in that Benedictine side Texas Lutheran and Harden-Simmons will be playing them as well. Uh, That thing's where it gets really interesting, and travel becomes very fascinating. Uh, if Scranton gets out of there, they bu- or Lynchburg gets out of there, they bust apart this bracket. We add a few flights to the tournament. Um, let's see. I'm uh, going to get going, I think, real quick here. Um, so we're going to, we're going to get moving along. Uh, we got to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go back to women's basketball. I know there's a bunch of questions coming in. I really do appreciate them. We'll get them answered when we can. For example, uh, who do you see coming out of the Oshkosh pod in women's basketball? Well, that one's just about a beast. 
Uh, to be completely honest, Oshkosh versus Superior, Wartburg versus Wisconsin Lutheran. I'm going to lean towards Oshkosh only because they're the host, and I think that's going to take an advantage. But uh, you know what? Watch out. Uh, any of those teams, I think Wartburg's got something to prove, and they have beaten top 10 teams before. So I think that one's wide open, but I think Oshkosh has the advantage. Going to take a break when we come back. NYU joins us to talk women's basketball. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation an obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Celebrate the soggy shoes. And the slow starts. Celebrate the lessons learned along the way. These are the wins, not the shiny nail-biting kind. These are the last a lifetime kind. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us on this bracket special, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Tweet us at d3hoopsville um, and use the hashtag Hoopsville as well. We will try and get your uh, questions answered as best as we can. Um, I know there's some on the email that I have not gotten to. I promise you I will get to them. Uh, just give me a moment to get through some of these coaches' interviews that we're doing because we definitely want to hear from a lot of these coaches. Switching back to women's basketball now, one of those teams that certainly, I'll freely admit, we were sitting uh, doing everything yesterday, and I remember looking at them going, gosh, this scares me. A lot of good criteria, but the finish of the season is going to scare a lot of people. But, man, the criteria is good. They played in a darn good conference, and they built themselves a heck of a buffer. Congratulations to the NYU women's basketball team. They are on to the men's uh, to the women's basketball tournament. They're on to the men's. That's a whole other conversation. But they are into the women's basketball tournament. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Lauren Gregory Hall. Coach, welcome to Hoops Hall Gregory. Welcome to Hoops Hoopsville, Coach. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. I appreciate it, especially so last minute. Um, and appreciate you tolerating me trying to change your name. Apparently, 
Um, You're not the first, don't worry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on making the tournament. The end of the season was scary, to be blunt. <laughs> you guys, I'm watching this going, this can't be happening. But you also built, like I said, a bit of a buffer at the beginning. What was it like to be going through it in your locker room? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's never easy to lose back-to-back games, and especially, um, you know, the way that we were losing some games. Um, but, you know, I think I, I was really proud um, of the way that our girls kind of continued to come to practice, to work hard. Um, you know, that last game of the season, a lot of teams would have handled it differently in their approach to practice, and um, they stayed really positive. They stayed united. Um, you know, we had some circumstances outside of our control, you know, that probably played a little bit of a factor. Um, you know, but I'm really proud, again, of kind of the leadership our seniors um kind of guiding our team just to keep showing up to keep working hard and we got that win i think on saturday really probably gave us uh, you know obviously with our 17 and one start and then that final win kind of maybe pushed us over the edge there on that bubble oh i definitely think winning that last game saved you guys i was really worried you lost that and we'd be in a lot of trouble but i said you built that buffer outside of rochester you had beaten everybody in conference you beat wash U, which is certainly insignificant uh, you'd beaten others who'd been regionally ranked. You had started off the season pretty nicely, as we had pointed out, and, and got some significant wins along the way there. So you you built, and then your SOS was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Six eleven by our calculations, six fifteen going into this week to begin with. It was it, it, you certainly built yourself a wonderful resume to work from and to be able to absorb those losses. Um, yeah. But how you talk about you know keeping the team together? How hard though is that in the grand scheme of things? How hard is it to say to your team? Don't worry about it. We've got this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't hard. I mean, you have a group <laughs> that's, for the last two years, really used to winning. Um, you know, they've only once had back-to-back losses. Um, so our juniors don't even know what that's like. You know, our seniors do. <laughs> and that, you know, my first year here, we were 10 and 15. Um, no. So I think that senior group really helped. They knew that if you just kept showing up, something good might happen. Um, you know, and it, it certainly wavered our confidence a little bit. But, again, we really looked like um, the NYU of old, the second half of Brandeis. So that's that's a good way to start playing right before going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I said on the on the selection show that despite the the result, this is a dangerous team. You got a chance to finish the season at Kohl's Center. That wasn't the plan a yeah. year ago. Uh, a nice little no, treat there. Yeah. We know it's now officially coming down because the scoreboard's been removed. But yeah. um, what was it like to finish the season at Kohl's Center and know that you've at least gone out uh, with with a nice winning tradition here? Yeah, it's awesome. You know, our administrators really fought hard for us to be able to finish out the season, the home games there. Um, you know, and again, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it was, you know, stressful for the players not to know. Um, but I thought they handled it really, really well. Um, again, kind of staying positive, staying united, um, staying optimistic about what the administrators might be able to do for us. But again, they, the administrators really put in the hard work to, to make sure we could finish out there. And, um, you know, Coles is a special place in the community that's built around it and has a lot of tradition of success just being in that building. Building. Um, but I'm excited about the future for NYU and the next building that will get uh, built up there, and hopefully we can make some new memories. Caitlin Reed leads the team, uh, 16.5 points a game and seven rebounds. Megan Daw, 15-plus points a game, six rebounds. By the way, Reed might pull in all those rebounds. She also shoots a ton from outside at 41% yeah. from beyond the arc, which is pretty darn good. Uh, Amy... I never say Amy's last name correctly, so please help me. Uh, Harioka. Harioka. Oh, I actually yep. like. I'm going to remember that now. Um, obviously, she and she's one of your assist kings, along with Reed. Two and a half assists for her, and nearly 11 points. And there's plenty yeah. of other players here. What what makes this team click? 
Yeah, you know, I think um, I think we have a nice, just in terms of the culture of the team, they're a really competitive group. Um, you know, I think that's the nature of the kind of kids you get at NYU in New York City. And, um, you know, I think you know when you're going to watch us play that um, you're going to get a group that's going to compete really hard, that they're going to play united, that they're going to play together. Um, we certainly try to play an up-tempo style of basketball. We try to press, um, you know, make an exciting brand to watch, um, try to wear some other teams down. Um, I think that's what certainly you can count on seeing. Uh, interesting enough, you'll head up to uh, Bowdoin and play fellow New, uh, New York regional team Lehman, um, yeah. and uh, they'll take on Westfield State on the other side. I realize this is early on, but anything you could, you've got at the table already about Lehman and what you can expect from this weekend? Uh, oh, yeah, I punched them right up and pulled up the <laughs> stat sheet, and uh, they got some scary scorers over there. So, you know, they got a kid that averages 23.5, another kid 18.7, so they obviously can put the ball in the basket. And, you know, any team that wins 20 wins, I think they're 20-7 and seven on the year, you know, you know how to win. And so um, we'll, our staff here, who does a great job, um, will help prepare our kids for what they're going to see in Lehman. And, you know, I'm sure it's a, a great team that we're going to face. Any team that's playing on Friday um, in the NCAA tournament is a terrific. Uh, yeah. You know, they know how to win. And so we're excited about the matchup. And you could have sent us to Hawaii anywhere. I didn't care if it was Alaska. <laughs> we were ready to go. We would play against anybody. We wow. were just glad to hear our name. If the committee had only known that now, that's too yeah. bad. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, the UAA has been tough. WashU, obviously, number one. You guys were in the mix yeah. for a long time. Rochester was certainly up there as well. Carnegie uh, Mellon emerged uh, in the yeah. mix this season. And Chicago certainly made things interesting. What was it like to battle in the UAA this year? And, you know, I've obviously I've only been in this in the league for four years. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, from top to bottom in terms of Team 1 to Team 8, it, it was, in my opinion, the most competitive year. Um, you know, that number 18, Case Western, gosh, they had four kids that just any night could score 20 points. And, um, you know, they only had three, three conference wins on the season, but they were a heck of a team. So, you know, in the, combined with the travel, it was just a knockdown, you know, battle every day on Friday and Sunday that we got out there and play but I think that's why you know that's why coaches coach in the UAA and that's why players play in the UAA they love the level of competition that you're going to get in day in and day out and it prepares you I think for the NCAA tournament well uh yeah Pat says it's a long drive to Alaska so luckily you're not making that trip um <laughs> uh, well you, I don't care Dave we were <laughs> I, apparently I'm gathering that now this is rather <laughs> yeah. fascinating the committee is really maybe thinking about changing their minds here at the last minute um I love the state of Maine but it may feel a little bit like Alaska up there too so yeah, uh, you true. never know um well coach I really appreciate you coming on the show uh thanks to uh your SID for helping us get you as well uh any uh, as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in yeah just good luck to everybody who and congratulations to everybody who did get into the ncaa tournament and you know we appreciate everything you guys do there at d3 hopes to to get this sport out and you know it is great basketball so well thank you good luck uh up in bowden maine and uh get a lobster roll while you're at it i do suggest oh, them they're very certainly. yeah they're good they're darn good yeah, up there they they are good you're right about that and enjoy the trip at least hey at least you're going past brandeis this time it's a little bit different yeah. of a trip up that up the east coast i'm, I'm gonna enjoy every moment of it Dave. i am quite sure you okay. are coach thanks so much take care of yourself all right thanks Dave. lauren take hall gregory joining us here from nyu the team uh nearly missed out but got that at large bid and big Win at the end against Brandeis to to secure that bid. Most likely, they'll head up again, take on Lehman, and then uh, they're at Bowden. By the way, the, the celebrations of being in the NCAA tournament are huge. For a lot of teams, it's the first time, and sometimes those are just automatically clinched. 
a Lynchburg since 1979, a Denison, for example. Whitman has not made the NCAA tournament, and man, they made things interesting. <laughs> to say the least, they made things interesting because they lost in the semifinals, and I thought they had just hosed themselves. They were still going to get to the table, but they made it difficult. Granted, last night we had them selected. They felt good, but you never know until you see your name on the on the on the on the uh, screen, right? Well, they just tweeted out their reactions. Take a look and watch their reactions here. That doesn't get old. There's been a bunch of them flying around Twitter from teams who have, who even knew they were getting in and reacted nonetheless. Um, congratulations to Whitman uh, on making their first ever NCAA tournament. Their reward, they will take on Chapman in the first round of the men's tournament at Whitworth, where they're familiar. And then if they win, they're going to have to take on conference foe Whitworth in the second round. Remember, Whitworth got the first round by. Uh, let's see. I had some other questions. One of them I don't get. Liam, if you're listening, please uh, follow me up here. You're saying safe to assume Eastern Connecticut women loses to Rhode Island College and U.S. Dartmouth lost them the host to Rowan. Uh, no, because you got to remember one uh, key significance there. Um, well, maybe. You know, that's an interesting question. They're matched up in the Amherst pod. Amherst wasn't going to host. They got to go somewhere. Yeah, you could probably make that argument. There's other factors in play. Um, yeah, but none of them would have been affected by... Yeah, you, you could say that. I think Rowan deserved to be hosting anyway. Pat has made an argument, and it's probably a valid one, that Rowan women... Excuse me, my contact is bothering me if you're watching me on TV. Um, that Rowan women probably deserved to host anyway. Um, and then it was too bad that they, they were in Amherst's pod, and that's the only reason they ended up hosting. So I don't I don't know if if Eastern Connecticut could have, could have trumped Rowan in general. Um, so I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but it's an interesting point of view. I mean, we're also talking two games at that point. We're talking a lot of the season, not a lot of the season, but a, a large chunk of statistical data. There, gonna take another break. When we come back, we gotta still talk more basketball, right? Um, we got plenty to talk about, that is for sure. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. When we return, where are we, uh, we're going oh, to St. John Fisher, I believe. We'll continue talking women's basketball. Well, that's what we'll do. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops Hope after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. 
college basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division Three student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete, and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. With every basket and every stop, the skill of a least. Not sure why the commercials keep running over, but it doesn't matter. We're back here on Hoopsville. You're... If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, uh, where it's our, our, our selection show special, our bracket breakdown, as it were. Uh, so if you've got questions for us, um, let us know about them. We want to hear from you um, via all means possible. We're trying to answer questions on the Twitters and all that stuff, and we'll keep it going as long as we can. Um, and so forth. We still have uh, committee chairs coming as well. Uh, they will be on the show as well. We're looking forward to that, um, and so on and so forth. So lots to cover. Um, talk about teams that made it uh, despite being on the bubble. Uh, one team that got announced promised another team they were out. We did not select St. John Fisher women's basketball as one of our at-large picks at the end. The NCAA did. So it doesn't really matter. The Cardinals are thrilled, um, and, but we're but we're waiting with bated breath to say the least. Um, but St. John Fisher is in as the one of the women's selections to the NCAA tournament, and Coach Marianne O'Connor. Let me try that. Marianne O'Connor Ermy joins me on the show. Yes. Coach, how are you? Very, very, very well. <laughs> Feeling very good right now. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, yeah. I, honestly, how nervous were you? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a there. You know, there's a lot of of uh, not so much doubt, but just a little bit of anxiety. Actually, last year when we won the, you know, the, received the AQ by 
winning the conference tournament's a little bit a little bit different waiting um this year but uh you know i don't i i i knew i was trying to stay positive you know it was just an unfortunate loss on friday something you know things that didn't really go our way uh in certain parts of parts of the game and that so we just told the girls you know we just got to hope that uh you know our body of work throughout the season and you know us, us being pretty successful during the year with the you know 17 out of the last 19 games um you know, obviously uh, spoke spoke to the committee, and we're very grateful and, and glad that uh, we're going to be able to play on Friday. I'm sure we didn't help you very much with your angina uh, last night when we didn't necessarily pick the team. Honestly, it's splitting hairs, and we could have gone either way yes. with a lot of yes. this. It's really tough. Yes. Um, and obviously Ithaca getting in certainly makes things more challenging. I mean, Ithaca beating you guys certainly made more things right, more challenging. Right. Stevens yeah. getting into the tournament. But, you know... Did you guys end up getting together to, to, to watch this, or were you too nervous to even pull that off? Oh, uh, well, no. Actually, yesterday was our day off, so we kind of just wanted to know. I, you know, the, myself and the other coaches, we were, you know, kind of texting back and forth and had some conversations on the phone, um, or over a couple of us were over here at the office anyway. But, um, you know, we were just keeping the faith, and that's all we could do is we tried to have the girls to keep positive about stuff, you know, no matter what part of, you know, what part of their, their life it is. And, uh, you know, we were just trying to really uh, focus on hopefully that, uh, like I said, the our body body of work, not just our last game, was yeah. taken into account. And like you said, it was splitting hairs, and we had it down, down like that, too. So that's why we tried to tell them, you know, every <laughs> game's important. And, um, you know, um, you know, we're very fortunate and grateful, like I said, to uh, be playing on Friday against Muhlenberg. And, you know, we're, we're going to do the best we can do. Did you uh, watch it with the team, or did you guys watch it separately? Oh, no, no, no. We we watched the team. We started um, actually, you know, last year when 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 we've been, you know, playing a little bit better here, and we've had the opportunity, obviously, with the AQ last year. Um, you know, we have always. I mean, I coached here for a long time, and and back in the day when we were in the NCAA tournament, we had the you know opportunity to watch the shows with the kids, and you know that's. I mean, that's always fun. We you know we call it Fisher family here, and that's what we did. We just you know went out to uh, got a bite to eat. They're on spring break this week, so it's uh, you know pretty kind of desolate on campus, but. Uh, you know, we took them out to eat and then uh, came in. A couple of them are a little nervous. I think, uh, you know, weren't quite sure um, if we were going to get in or not. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, good things happened. And, um, you know, we'll hit the road on Thursday and go head down to Muhlenberg. And what was the reaction like when you guys when you guys saw your names pop up? Uh, they were screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were You screaming. were screaming too, uh, Coach. Uh, I was jumping up and down, high-fiving them, <laughs> hugging them, and just saying, you know, all that hard work pays off. And, uh, you know, there's nothing better in a, for, you know, a, an athlete than to, uh, you know, try to get to the next level and try to make, you know, play the, be the best teams in the country. And, you know, obviously the majority of our team, we had 10 kids returning from last year, and we had the great experience of going down to Tufts and, you know, playing Skidmore and, you know, giving Tufts uh, a run for their money on their home court. So, you know, they got the taste of, of what it's like in playing at that level. And, uh, you know, obviously they would have been very, very, very disappointed not to be, you know, get the invitation at a selection. But, uh, you know, like I said, they're jumping up and down. Everybody's very, very happy, very grateful, and um, you know, uh, you know, we have practice at five tonight, so we get back after it. Yeah, I was going to say, get right back to it. How much have you even looked ahead to see who Muhlenberg is in the grand scheme of things? 
Um, well, actually, we had so we did see them during the year on t on tape uh, because they did play Stevens um, as part of their schedule this year. So we didn't. I mean, we weren't. You know, we didn't break their film down or anything, but we did see them when we were breaking the Stevens film down. So um, you know, they were very very talented, and obviously, going into somebody's own home court is always going to be a challenge. And, and anybody at this uh, at this time of the year is going to be a team that you're going to have to really prepare very well for. Um, all the teams are good at this point, and you got to just do the best you can do, um, you know, ex you know, exploiting and, and doing the things that you do well and, um, you know, trying to exploit some of the things that you might be able to uh, be successful on the offensive and defensive end against them. Uh, the team obviously continue. We obviously had you on the show a few week, a few weeks ago. Talked about this squad. Yeah. Uh, certainly continue right along. But what's what's been the uh, what's been the secret the last few weeks at least for this squad's success? I think, I mean, you know, just playing better defense and getting better every day in practice, um, you know, working on some little things. And, you know, obviously you're going through your conference. A lot of, you know, a lot of teams do that, uh, go through. The conference championship's hard because you're playing a lot of teams, you know, third time. And it's, you know, we had beaten Ithaca uh, twice already. And yeah. they were both very close games. And, um, you know, we beat them at a buzzer beater the last time. So, that you know, we knew that they were going to be, you know, you know, get ready to spit fire. And they played well. I mean, they deserved to win the game. And, uh you know, hats off to them. But, um, you know, I think it's just working on the little things at this time of the year and trying to trying to have a little something new offensively and defensively just to kind of, you know, a little bit different than what's on tape. So uh, we'll stay with what we do. We play a lot of good defense, and that's what we're going to stick with and, uh, you know, shoot, uh, shoot well from the foul line. And, uh, you know, th those things will help us. Obviously, you said practice starts at 5, which is just a short time period away. I know the team's probably going to be giddy there. How do you now refocus everybody? Oh well, uh, the, yeah. We well after getting done jumping in, up and down in the uh, film room, uh, you know, we all got the, the upperclassmen and the seniors all said, well, you know, they had a little meeting and said their little thing and getting everybody focused on the same page, um, you know, heading towards Muhlenberg on Friday. So um, we'll be ready. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show. Certainly, uh, congratulations are in order to making the NCAA tournament. That is a, a big step for the program, I know, and. Uh, uh, especially as an at-large team, and, and you'll get a chance to play Muhlenberg on Friday. That's that's more important than anything else, so congratulations to that. Uh, as always, as you know, I give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts for those who may be tuning in? We just wanted to say thank you very much for your support this year. It was uh, a great pleasure to talk to you and get the St. John Fisher uh, you know, uh, program back on the map. And, uh, We'll do them proud on Friday. Uh, well, congratulations. I did forget to ask you one thing. Have you dared walk down to see Coach Kornicker yet? Actually, I will tell you, he we get along very well, and actually, he they didn't have such the same uh, luck as us. But they are actually my phone's blown up now because uh, Coach Coffee, just the assistant coach, and Coach Cornerker came in and said good luck to us when uh, he was getting ready to leave. So we have a really good, um, good. you know, relationship. He's been here a long time as well as myself. So uh, you know, we have each other's back, and yep. you know, we were just as disappointed as they were excited for us. So sure. uh, you know, and in the years that we haven't made it, you know, the same support goes back and forth. So. Uh, we got a good thing going here at St. John Fisher, and uh, I'm lucky to have the girls we have that work as hard as they do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, congratulations, Coach. Good luck, and we'll look forward to seeing how well the Cardinals do this weekend. Thanks, Dave. Take care.
Mariano Connor Ermy joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem. Of course, Coach Corniker, the men's coach, they got left out of the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. They were at our table, and we couldn't get them in. Apparently, either could the NCAA. I want to thank Coach Ermy or O'Connor Ermy for joining us on the show on the City of Salem Hotline. Of course, City of Salem Hotline, presented by City of Salem. The host of the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship Weekend. Get your tickets today and join us in the Roanoke Valley. Going to take another break. Um, who do I have up next? I just totally blanked. Um, give me a moment. I just need to call up my cheat notes. Um, I can't remember. Um, we got somebody coming up next. <laughs> we'll figure it out. You'll listen to Hoops Open by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and the BC Studios. One more guest uh, coach coming up next, uh, LaGrange's men's coach. That's who we got coming up next. Kendall Wallace will join us. Then after that, we will talk to the committee chairs for both the men and the women. Still more ahead. We'll probably be on the air until about 7 o'clock Eastern time. So tune in as we break down the brackets more and more. If you've got questions for the committee members, start sending them to us now. You've listened to Hoops Hope. We'll be back with more uh, right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, 
you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a current Division Three student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Our system still's got its quirks. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. This is our bracket special, the Monday after the uh, the Monday that the brackets have been announced, and we hope you are enjoying the show. Um, if you got any questions for us, let us know. We will try and answer them for you as best we can um, along the way. Um, one of the other teams that's dancing in the tournament that uh, I'll freely admit we got wrong, mainly because it was splitting hairs at some point, LaGrange men's basketball team. They got to the NCAA tournament. Um, they were one of the last ones on our board who were viable, and it was a tough, tough situation. Uh, who do you pick? It's splitting hairs. We ended up going to New Jersey City. That ended up being wrong. Committee ended up going with LaGrange. Not necessarily in that order. That just happened to be how we did it. You can imagine that doesn't matter to LaGrange because they're dancing the NCAA tournament nonetheless. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the city of Salem, is Kendall Wallace, head coach for LaGrange. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Well, thanks so much, Dave. Very excited to be here and uh, to be able to uh, interview with you today on the, the day we find out whether we dance or not. Yes. Uh, you got to be thrilled. <laughs> I, I saw the reaction. The team was obviously pretty excited to get to see that name pop up on the screen that they probably didn't even notice who they'll be playing. We'll get to that in a minute, but how nervous were you guys? Well, you know, Dave, we, we were a little nervous just because we felt like we didn't take care of business that we needed to take care of in the conference tournament. And from the past, there's only been one team that's come out of the USA South conference. So we were a little nervous in the, in that sense. Uh, I think uh, overall we knew that we had, we have a good, had a good body of work and, and uh, had played our best in most of the games that, uh, that really mattered. Uh, so we were we were pretty uh, somewhat confident in the fact that that you guys might see it the, see it our way and and uh, invite us to the tournament. Well, it was very you know it was very good to see the Lagrange name pop up because it proves that you guys did have that resume that you put together good enough to get in. Obviously, you put yourself in a tough bind by losing. Everybody in this situation does that. Um, is this is this a bit of mix of consoling and encouraging with the team? You got to encourage them to to make them think they've got a chance, but at the same time, kind of hedge your bets in case you don't see your name. Well, because of the the past with our conference, we 
we to tell you the truth, we 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 somewhat ended everything on Saturday. Uh, uh, not not in the in the fact that we wouldn't have a, a chance at at large, but uh, you know our guys came into the locker room after the game uh, on Saturday and uh, kind of poured it out to each other and let each other know what what we meant to one another and. And uh, in so doing, there was, uh, of course, there wasn't a, uh, a dry eye in the house. And, uh, you know, I think, I think to be honest with you, Dave, that helped us a little bit. Now, now with, a, with a new chance and a, basically a new season for us, you know, uh, we've been inspired. And, and we, we've, um, you know, we kind of, I guess some, some of the kids may have taken things for granted through the long season. And, uh, you know, I think us losing and then, then sharing those moments together as uh, – has put us back in the right frame of mind to, to to make a good run in this tournament. So we're excited about that, and hopefully we'll we'll we'll, we'll do that. And you guys had an interesting run through the season. You, uh, hot and cold streaks. At one point, losing three out of four, <laughs> four out of seven. Uh, got back on the horse, won four in a row before Covenant was oh so kind to unceremoniously punt you from the from the USA South tournament. Um, you know that's a that's a tough you know ride home, as it were. Um, and then, you know, got to wait it out and see if you're going to go. Now, of course, you'll know you'll head to Emory and play Birmingham Southern, so not much of a trip. But, you know, what have you guys learned from the season that maybe you can take advantage of this weekend? Well, you know, it was it was a tough and long ride home, just to tell you the truth. <laughs> today. We traveling from Nancy Wesley and Rocky Mount back to LaGrange. It was yeah. about eight hours. So we had a lot of time to think about it, and, and our coaching staff got together and, we started kind of clicking the numbers around and, and thinking that there would be a, a, a kind of a possibility of us getting this bid. And, and, and what we've learned from it is, uh, and to tell you the truth, is, you know, in a lot of those losses that we've had during the season, we, we gave people double-digit leads. Uh, and we, we, uh, we allowed our defense, we, we allowed ourselves not to play good defense uh, for a portion of the game and, and allowed teams to jump out on us. Uh, you know, to th- just to think back recently, the NC Westland game, we were down at 15 at one point uh, in the second half and just had to go on a storm-crazy, uh, relentless kind of defensive segment to get us back in the game and hitting shots, of course. And then and then on Saturday, we were down 18 to Covenant in the second half. And, and uh, you know, our guys, uh, similar to, I think, a lot of youth to today, uh, they wait to the last minute to try to do something and then, and then try to get the task done. And, and I think that uh, after this weekend, we've learned that we cannot do that. We, we've got to play the full 40 minutes as hard as we can and, and, uh, and try to get the most out of our defense and try to get the most, uh, the best defensive players on the floor and see in action and, and, and trying to not give people uh, double-digit leads on us. I, when, when it gets a little bit over 10 or 12, I know that even myself and, and the team starts to get a little nervous about what we're doing. And, and uh, you know, are we in the right defense or are we playing the right guys? And all these questions come in their minds. Uh, and, and I think if we, we keep, uh, you know, keep it to about an 8 or a 10 deficit, that usually we have a real good shot at winning the game. Now, I, you know, as a coach, I'd like for it to be the other direction. I'd like to be up 10 or 12 and, and, uh, you know, uh, be in control of the game uh, in that sense. But, unfortunately, I'm not the one that plays, and the guys got to go out there and do it for themselves. And, and, and they've done that quite a bit, but I just felt like that was something that hurt us in the tournament. And, and I hopefully it's something that we've learned from and that, that we know we got to play the full 40 minutes. 
Uh, this is a squad that uh, played Birmingham Southern earlier in the season, back in the fourth game of the year on December 2nd. You guys beat them 88-80. That's who you will play coming up. Uh, a little quirk just due to geog- you know, geography. You're going to have to run into a team you've played already this season. Can you take anything from that December 2nd game, or is that is that so far in the past now that it's irrelevant? Well, I don't think it's irrelevant. I can tell you that. Uh, I think both teams uh, played a great game that night. Uh, um, you know, uh, we're very uh, leery and, and uh, uh, you know, nervous about the fact of having to go up against uh, Alex Avery again. They're just an incredible post player. He's a, I think he's averaging a double-double right now, and we don't have anybody that, that even gets gets near 13, 13 or 11 rebounds a game. And, and uh, so we, we're, going, we're going to have to do a lot of work on the inside uh, uh, to be able to beat them this time. They're, they're a much better team than they were on December 2nd. And, and you know, I like to think we, we may be a much better team than we were on that day. Uh, but uh, it, it definitely plays a role in what we're doing. Uh, um, you know, for us, it, it gives us a little bit of confidence to know that we can beat them. Uh, and, and for them, hopefully it, it may put a little bit of a factor in their mind to think that, hey, they beat us before, they can do it again. And uh, But it might also turn them the other way to where they they're, they're, they may be steaming mad by the time they get to Emory and just wipe us off the floor because of, uh, of how we how that we beat them at our place back in December. So I think it plays a role for sure. Now, uh, offensively and defensively, I think both teams do do generally the same and same type of things. We've kind of uh, devised uh, our transition and, and or developed our transition into a little bit of a more um, strategy-wise or strategic type uh, transition game. Uh, back in that time, we were just basically swinging it to the four man and double staggering away. And, and now I think we we were a little bit more disciplined and more set oriented uh, of what we're going to do off of our transition. So um, I haven't seen a lot of tape on Birmingham Southern recently. I did watch their game uh, against Swanee and saw that they were they were playing a little bit more of a of, of a zone press, uh, at least three-quarter court. And, uh, you know, they got the same players. It seems like every one of their guys are shooting the ball much better than they did against us on December 2nd. So uh, it, it's definitely going to be a different game. And, and I think uh, us looking back to the, to the game on December 2nd, we – we just have to take our positive uh, aspects of it and run with it from that matter. Well, Coach, congratulations on, on making the NCAA tournament and the excitement that obviously is in that. Safe trips to Emory and good luck this weekend and a fascinating pod down there. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, first of all, Dave, I wanted to ask and see if your Hoopsville fundraising program was still going on. Uh, I wanted to if anybody's listening and, and, and could donate to that still, I, I would recommend and, and suggest that you do that. You guys are doing a remarkable job of covering our sport and, and to cover at our level and the, the nationwide coverage to what you guys get. Y'all are doing a, a phenomenal job with all that. So I'd like to, if there was a way for people to still donate, I'd like to recommend that everybody, you know, drop drop a, a few coins in your pocket to see if we can't keep this thing going and keeping y'all uh, with the right technology or whatever you're going to use the money for. But uh, other than that, you know, I just want to be say thank you to the NCAA committee and everybody that, that had us voted in and uh, helped us get to this point. Uh, you know, we, we're a, a team, we're, we're a pretty good team. I don't mean to be cocky or co- sure. overconfident, but I think that we are, are deserving of this opportunity. Uh, 
you know, we, we beat some of the best teams in the South, uh, uh, and, and I think the only one that we didn't really get a chance to, to, uh, to win against was Lynchburg, and uh, they're a very good team as well. So we're going to going into this with, with open minds and, and with, uh, you know, strong hearts, and uh, I think you'll see our best games uh, coming up on Friday and Saturday, hopefully. Well, Coach, thank you so much for the shout-out. Yes, there is still a way to uh, donate to the cause, as it were. Um, all you we got the fundraiser going through Thursday night, so we'll talk about that okay. more. So thank you for that. But good luck. Uh, I'm sure the committee is 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 happy to hear your your thoughtful words, and uh, we'll look forward <laughs> to talking to you. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dave. Take care, Coach. Kendall, okay, you too. Kendall Wallace joining us from Lagrange on this on the City of Salem hotline. Uh, of course, they're getting ready for practice as well. Now that they're getting going, they will play Birmingham Southern. Yes, that's a little pod of where where uh, the committee couldn't avoid any matchups because. Um, it's a mixture of teams that everybody that LaGrange has played. LaGrange played Birmingham Southern. Covenant is in their conference, and they have and they played Emory. Plain and simple. <laughs> it's the way it works. Got to take a break. When we come back, we'll start talking to the committee chairs. We'll talk to Kerry Carolla. We'll also talk about them getting in as an at-large team at Wisconsin-Whitewater on the women's side. And we'll transition to Bobby Morgan on the women's side because she ended up being on the call most of the time. On the flip side of that, we'll also talk on the men's side to uh, Brian Van Haften from... Uh, from uh, Buena Vista. That's all coming up on Hoopsville in the next hour, talking to the committee chairs. If you have questions for them, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville. Committee chairs coming up next here on the show. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. 
It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. With every basket and every stop, the skill of about they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. For the love of the game, and welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. The long days have finally gotten to me in the sense that my <laughs> contacts and eyes have finally acted up. So welcome in the glasses as we transition here. As we're also going to get uh, into the conversations with our committee chairs. If you've got questions for them, let us know, please, accordingly, as we say. Um... Well, that's very kind. I did not notice um, that uh, that Kendall Wallace has donated to our cause, and I want to thank him. Uh, he was just on the show, so thank you very much. Um, sorry, I is really bothering me, so you're going to have to forgive me a moment here. I mean, this is what happens when you can't go anywhere else. All right, so committee chair is coming up here. We're going to talk women's basketball. We're going to talk to uh, both Carrie Carollo and Bobby Morgan, as we explained on the show. Um, uh, for multiple reasons. First, we're going to start with Carrie Carrillo. She joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Uh, Ma'am. <laughs> Sorry, my brain you is... You are tired. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I am exhausted. Uh, I can only imagine you. I. Yeah, I was going to say, I can only imagine you are as well. Yes, um, it's been a long 48 hours, but a good one. Yes, I can. Uh, I can imagine. Now, you were in Indianapolis, were you not? Yes, yeah, I drove down um, on Saturday afternoon and then spent the day there all day Sunday and then drove back this morning. Um, what did you? What was the advantage for you doing that? Um, I think the national office likes to have us there um, in person as the chair just to help facilitate and, um, you know, just make sure that we put together the best bracket that we can and, um, you know, I think they try to do that every year. I think um, there's only been a handful of years that they haven't been able to just because of logistics or whatnot. But, um, yeah, I just think it's a preference on the NCAA's part. Certainly makes sense. And, again, you drove back today after all of that. Did you get a chance this morning to take a look at the bracket before it was finally uh, produced? No, I um, unfortunately had no part of any of the bracketing, <laughs> and I did not know um, anything until the selection show. So um, I did know that we were in the tournament, but I didn't know anything past that. 
Um, I, I had a feeling that was going to happen. Uh, that's why I kind of threw that softball. My question to yeah. you is, and it's in complete seriousness, because it's not you're not the first coach to be on the committee as a chair who's involved with the selection co- process, and you're certainly not the first one to be on there during the bracketing. Has anyone discussed any factor of saying, listen, as long as we're not directly talking about her team in bracketing, the, the chair should still be involved in this? Um, we have. We've we've thought it through. I mean, there's been some years where we have been on and some years where we haven't. And I feel like um, it's just, you know, it's just better for everyone if we, you know, like myself and Jim from Rochester wasn't on and um, Karen Harvey from Montclair, uh, the three of us were not on the call at all. And I just think it helps with perception um, that, you know, we would have any influence, sure. you know, or any bias. Um, for everyone else in the country to know that, you know, we had no part of that. And um, the, the rest of the committee, you know, we feel confident the rest of the committee and the national office can, can do a great job, and they did. Um, I'll, uh, obviously, I don't want to have anybody have any idea that we're talking about that kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, undue influence or anything. But it just seems that, you know, you got tw- 64 teams. You, you should be able to talk about bracketing on a grander scale when your team's just one of those, as long as we're not getting to that section. If we get into that section, then you kind of come off the table, as it were. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, especially if you made the trip to Indianapolis, you should be involved. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got to do a lot of other stuff, though, so that was good. First and foremost, and obviously what we're going to do here is we're going to talk to you a little bit. Obviously, I want to talk about your team, too, but talk a little bit with you about all this, and then we're going to shift over to Bobby Bobby Morgan, who had a little bit more of the the just of what happened yesterday with selections and all. But from from your vantage point going in, how were you and the Racks doing in terms of how you felt consistently ranking teams the way you guys wanted them to be ranked? did a great job across the country i mean it's very difficult to do just because of you know the challenges that we have with location and um the ability for some teams to be able to really get out and play a strong non-conference schedule but um i thought the committee did a great job in really comparing just the total body of work and really um digging really deep and finding out which teams were playing good teams and winning those games versus not winning those games and Um, You know, just the whole criteria, you know, I thought um, of all the years, I thought this was one of the best years that we've um, really put together a great um, group of teams, and um, I think it's going to be a great tournament. Uh, Have you heard from anybody just as of yet as to those who haven't made the tournament or how they've been bracketed? No, I haven't heard from anyone yet. I mean, it's still pretty fresh, I'm sure, in everybody's mind, so it gives them some there's some coaches are going to have some things that they want to think about first before they, you know, bring forth their thoughts or their feelings. But um, at what point did you go tough. off the call? Um, I went off as soon as we were put on the board. So very early, um, very early on in the call. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't on for very long. And then once we were off, then um, I was able to help with the last, couple teams i was gonna say when did uh, approximately when did you get back on the call then oh gosh i don't know time wise exactly well no i meant like pick wise oh um it we it was late i mean we only had like two or three left to to pull off so you probably sat for you sat for about 15 or so picks yeah it was a long time (laughs) are you able to listen in at least are you literally incognito for the whole thing no, I am out of the conversation completely. Wow. I um, 
yeah, I'm out of the room. I'm out of, I can't listen. I can't follow along on the computer, nothing. I'm completely out. And the longer that goes, it's got to get harder and harder for you. Yeah, it does. But, you know, when you're a bubble team and you understand the dynamic of that, I mean, you you know going into it that that's a possibility. And um, the Division Three Women's Basketball Tournament, I believe, is one of the toughest to get into. And so it's an elite group, you know. So if you do have an opportunity to get in one year and not the other, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it's you pretty much cannot have any mistakes. And that's um, a very elite group to be a part of. So... Um, It is nerve-wracking, but you know that as a coach, if you put yourself in that situation, that that's part of the deal. When you got back on the call, what were the general challenges that were facing everybody in in making the next few selections? Um, I I think we just were really consistent with our decision-making. I mean, I think we, we followed the criteria all the way through. Um, Some of the challenges that we had this year as opposed to other years was just the the number of losses that a lot of teams had. Um, You know, that was was a lot different this year for us than it's been in the past. But, um, you know, it just goes to show the parity of how women's basketball is headed in the right direction, that, um, you know, there's a lot of really good teams out there instead of just, you know, a few great teams. And so I think it's great for the game that we're finally getting to that point. But... Um, we maintained really solid consistency with our decision-making. Um, it gets tough, especially later, because there's so many teams that are really, really close um, that could get in. But um, I felt like the committee did a great job in, in maintaining that, that consistency throughout. When um, when you look at the bracketing before, obviously, you know there were certain things you certainly knew were going to be involved in the bracketing. When and maybe maybe you weren't part of this decision, but when you look at a scenario where George Fox, Claremont Mud Scripps, and and UC Santa Cruz are sitting on the West Coast, um, yeah. technically Claremont Mud Scripps and, and and Santa Cruz can get to each other distance wise, but I don't know. Do we know who was who put in to host or not host? I'm I'm suspecting CMS didn't um, because they don't have a gym technically. They're borrowing other people's. But did did Santa Cruz think about it? Yeah, that would be a great question for Bobby. I don't know who um, put in a bid uh, for the first round. That would be something that okay. she would probably know. Um, but, you know, I thought that I thought moving them around like that was great. I think it's awesome to be able to see that George Fox doesn't have to play another West Coast team again like they usually have had in the past. Um, you know, it gives them an opportunity to get out and play some different teams and um you know, I'm really happy with the way that that turned out. On the flip side of that, um, did, did you kind of see this coming where, or, or part of any part of that conversation with the fact that you got two Californians, two Texas, and George Fox, and you have to make a decision there? Or were you out of that as well? I was out of that okay. as well. Um, well, then let's switch over to your team. Um, obviously, you made the at-large bid. Uh, we were joking on the air at how long do you go with this before you finally tell the committee chair that either you finally did vote for her team or you didn't include her team, and how do you broach that information to her? Uh, um, we figured right. at some point that's going to win out. Uh, but, you know, what was your thought when you realized you had you gotten in as an at-large? Were you nervous at all that the, your, the last couple of games of your season just weren't going to help you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... We did not um, get, you know, take care of business and get it done when we should have. And um, so that definitely put us in a position to, you know, to not make, you know, the tournament. And 
Um, I know that our team was extremely disappointed in that because we had had such a great year up to that point. Yeah. But, you know, it just all goes back to that conference tournament. You know, it's a tough situation to be in when you have six teams, and um, it's something that we constantly talk to our conference about and um, changing our, the, the format of our tournament, you know, when you're having to play a team three times and, you know, less than a few days, it gets, it gets pretty challenging, but, um, you know, ultimately it's up to our teams to take care of business and, um, we didn't. So yeah, it absolutely made me nervous and um, made our team very nervous as well. How hard is it to get back to campus and not tell your team? <laughs> very hard. <laughs> um, it was, it was nice that I had a five hour drive this morning so that I couldn't really be around them. So that was good. Um, but it, it was extremely hard. I mean, we have uh, five seniors on our team that, you know, thought their seasons were over and their careers were over. So, um, you know, it, it was a lot of emotions, a lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of cheering, um, but they're extremely excited to be back in the gym today and <laughs> um, very excited to have an opportunity to play again. Coach, I have a feeling you have a wonderful opportunity in the future. Should you be in the WIAC tournament or other scenario and the team is struggling, the halftime speech is quite simple because I suspect you'll be chair next year. Hey, I want to stay on the call all time. <laughs> I want to be part of this yeah. process. You cannot kick me off the this is your fault if you kick me off yeah. the call <laughs> right yeah the auto makes it a lot easier when you don't have to worry about whether you're in or you're out that's for sure exactly if we were um, going to go through this let's just you know we could have done this at the beginning of the year <laughs> yeah but i'm really proud of our conference i mean it's yeah that we have four teams in their conference that are in the tournament this year after only getting one in last year um, that's incredible you know i'm yeah i'm really excited to see what the other three teams can do because i think they can go really far and um yeah our conference is tough again this year so i'm i'm really happy and pleased with the way things turned out for us i was gonna say have you have you heard from uh shirley egner yet have you heard from uh cindy Olbrook yet have you have you heard from uh brian or brad fisher about uh, about them getting in just yet no i haven't but i'm sure their heads are spinning just like mine is. you know it's just a lot to to consume all at once and manage and you know plan and all of that but i will definitely reach out to them and wish them luck because i hope they do well and you know it's great that they get to host too that's also a big advantage yeah. and I know for River Falls, this will be probably the first time they've ever had this opportunity, so I'm really happy for them and their program and their institution. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know you couldn't answer too much since you weren't even on the call for a vast majority of this stuff, but yeah. you are the chair, so we're get, you know, we wanted to make sure to get you on the show nonetheless. Congratulations to your team making the tournament in the first place. We're going to switch over to Bobby Morgan here momentarily, but uh, in the meantime, is there any uh, last words you want to say to anybody who, who may be tuning in? Yeah, you know, well, first of all, to you all, I mean, thanks so much for, you know, all that you do to, to support women's basketball and Division Three women's basketball. And um, it's, you know, it's been an incredible year for all of us, and I'm sure the tournament is going to be really exciting. And um, hopefully a lot of people can get to Indianapolis for the national championship game. I think it's going to be a great event um, with all three divisions playing at one site. And then, of course, our semifinals at Columbus at Capital University um, is going to be fantastic. I know the um, the athletic department there and the women's basketball staff there. They're just they're going to put on a great show. So, if you're close by, um, try to make it. It'd be great to see um, big crowds for those games because I know that the women would really appreciate it. That are going to be playing on the court 
Um, but to D3 Hoops and Pat Coleman, we're going to miss you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, we appreciate him and what he started, you know, not only with D3 Hoops, but with all the other sports that, that you all cover. We really appreciate your support of Division Three and Division Three Athletics. Well, thank you. Uh, well put. Very, very much so, Carrie. Yeah, Wisconsin Whitewater certainly <laughs> got a lot of attention from our sites over the years because you guys are so good. So uh, congratulations. Well, thank you. Good luck in the tournament, Coach. Hopefully they'll let you participate in at least uh, some conversations <laughs> at the Final Four. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. All right. Thanks, Dave. Carrie Carolla joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate her taking the time to do so. We're going to take a very quick, well, not a very quick break. We're going to take a break and then talk to Bobby Morgan on the women's side. Uh, she basically took over for Carrie. Uh, we'll talk to her about what uh, she uh, thought, how the conference calls and all that went. You're listening to Hoops Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation an obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference.
And welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show, cutting off the break a little bit because we want to keep things moving. If you've got questions for our guests, especially the committee chairs or the acting chairs we have coming up, please email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Also on Twitter, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Um, please don't shy away. We'll, we'll try and get your questions answered. Obviously, can't get them all answered, but we'll certainly do our best uh, as we can. We just got done talking to Kerry Carrillo, who, though didn't is the committee chair, was not able to participate in much of the phone calls yesterday regarding selections and bracketing, as she said. So we're now switching gears and talking to Car- uh, Bobby Morgan. She's the head coach for Haverford Women's Basketball. She pretty much was on the call and was acting as the committee chair uh, for all this. Uh, and Bobby Morgan joins us on the City of Salem Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. Uh, we'll tell everybody now you're suffering from a bit of a cold here, so we're going to forgive you if you want to cough your <laughs> your lungs yeah. out at any point in time. Um, pretty, pretty sick. Yeah, I apologize, and I really appreciate it as a result for you coming on the show. Um, obviously, Carrie wasn't able to give us much information because you guys did not allow her to be on the call, uh, Bobby. Yeah, it, it was an interesting year. I mean, we had three coaches who, yeah. um whose teams were either AQ or, you know, on the board as a potential uh, at large. So it did uh, affected our numbers at different times throughout the call last night. But, you know, we still had a great group that was on consistently. And, you know, they were able to pop back in and out whenever we weren't talking about their teams. Yeah, let me uh, – we'll get to some of that in just a minute, but I kind of want to get down to some of the selections at the end, which is going to involve a little bit of this. But let me ask you this about the fact that, you know, obviously, everyone kind of had a feeling Kerry could easily come off the call. This, I mean, we were talking to Kerry Carollo back in January, and we knew that could be a potential possibility with her team, sure. the way they were potentially playing to some extent. So you guys are probably kind of getting ready for, for this possibility down the road. Uh, is this something that somebody volunteers? Hey, Carrie, if you go off, I'll take over. <laughs> no, I mean, I actually, really, I mean, you know, it's it's a great group process, and it's a, it's a great dynamic. I mean, Kelly Kelly Whitaker from the NCAA does a tremendous job, and Ethan just kind of, you know, directing the group. And, and you know, the way they, they structure the national committee, there's, there's usually some experienced people with some newcomers, and so – you know, I think it's really much more of a collective effort than everybody thinks in terms of just how we, you know, we really work together. And I think the best thing about the entire process is, you know, as tough as and long as last night is, the weeks leading up to, to, the, to the final, um, you know, selection process really give us a, a lot of opportunity to, to kind of figure out exactly how we're going to get this right, you know. So I don't think that the one person really takes over as much as you think. It's more of a – it really is a group effort. Uh, one question I know is going to come up, and I'm also just get it to it now, is is when you lose a committee representative uh, from a from Iraq. So, for example, you're, mm-hmm. you're out of the Mid-Atlantic region representing Haverford Centennial Conference in the Mid-Atlantic region. You are the chair of the Mid-Atlantic region and thus on the committee. When you come off, a lot of people are under the impression that that means that that conference no longer has someone there to fight for it. Um, thus, when you have Kerry coming off the central region, uh, can't fight for the central, uh, at one point, um, somebody else, there was one or two others probably had to come off the board at some point when their teams become active. How hard does that now become to get a better understanding of the teams who are at the table from different regions if their representative from that region isn't necessarily involved? Yeah. And, and again, and I think, I go back to what I what I said earlier is that in the weeks leading up to this, I mean, we have extensive conversations about each of the rankings each week in each region. So I, you know, I think that 
the process in and of itself prepares everyone from each region to become much more familiar with other teams. Um, in fact, it was very common last night to hear folks from various regions, you know, kind of stepping up and saying, you know, I think this school really needs to be, I think we need to look at these two schools. And they weren't even from their region. So, I mean, I think that's one of the fantastic things about this group. It's, you know, we are chaired with representing our regions, but we are, our main goal is really to get this right for the whole country. And so I really think that that philosophy has been handed down and it's shared. And, you know, I, I've seen situations in, on racks and stuff where people are just blindly lobbying without, you know, complete disregard for the criteria and stuff like that. We don't have any of that with this group. And in the couple of years that I've been doing it, it's really been it's really been kind of great to see people really look at the primary criteria, you know, and our goal is to get the best teams in. And we know that inevitably we can't get all the best teams in. It's just part of the, there's, there's a, there's a cap, right? Yeah, unfortunately. And we, and we kind of ran into that this year. Um, We'll get to a little bit of that. I'm just kind of a little bit curious more on this. You know, you said it, you know, a number of years ago, it was very common. You you also heard it at the national level that, your job as a Mid-Atlantic rep would be to fight for the Mid-Atlantic, and and your job was to make sure to get a Mid-Atlantic's teams the best voice you could. Um, I sensed on the men's committee in the last few years, and it's certainly they've been very vocal about the fact that nobody does that anymore. And I'm sensing, are you saying that's been a change on the women's side too, that you're not necessarily, and I don't want to say that you're not fighting for the Mid-Atlantic. Don't get me wrong. What I'm trying to say is you're all understanding there's a bigger picture here than just blindly saying, well, the best team on the table has got to be Moravian. Correct. And, and you know, so so if you look at it, and, and you know, and, and Kelly again from the NCAA, I mean, our job is to make sure that we inform the other committee members from the different regions and give them the most information we can about our individual teams in our region. And obviously we're the most knowledgeable, you know, having been, you know, spending all these weeks delving into their records and all the, thing, you know, successes that they've had. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the overriding philosophy really is like, you know, I'm not going to fight for a team that I know if another team in another region is better. I mean, you know, we're trying to put the best tournament together. And I think that when every region follows that, we're still able to lobby for the teams that we feel should be in there. But I think there is much, uh, definitely a bigger picture. I mean, I feel that way, and I think that's how it should be. Um, when you, does it almost feel weird if you do fight? Does it, does it kind of, Oh no, no, believe me, we fight. I mean, you look, I mean, we argue, but you know, the thing is when you're dealing with criteria that, you know, some of it's subjective, but some of it is very not, you know, it's cut and dry, you know, you, you put it up there and you, you, your job is to present it to everyone as fair as you can. I mean, you know, the challenges with the, the selection criteria, you know, when you talk about, wins versus ranked teams and even, you know, certain regions that just don't have that opportunity to play um, as strong a schedule. I mean, you know, you try to be fair and you try to look at it. Well, you know, these teams don't have, you know, there's 12 teams that are ranked in the Northeast, but, you know, in different regions, they don't get that chance. So we do try to look at all of that. Um, but we certainly are, you know, to a certain extent, we are representing our regions and we do, but it's not like this, uh, you know, roll your sleeves up and get in there and fight for 12 hours. It's nothing like that at all. It's a very, um, you know, it's a very, we try to do the best that we can for every region. 
Um, a lot of people were surprised that the sales didn't make it into the tournament. Um, obviously, I mean, by our selections, we picked the sales. We also picked them 12th mm-hmm. out of the 20. Um, and St. John Fisher didn't make it. I mean, you for certainly with St. John Fisher, by the time we got to the end, we're, we're splitting hairs. But the sales yeah. was a little surprising with a 20-7 and record and a 556 SOS. Seemed mm-hmm. to, and I don't know the end of the regional rankings, but certainly seemed to have a lot of results versus regionally ranked opponents. Uh, oh. and, and I think one of the things that changes at the end is, um, you know, that final ranking is not published. Yes. Um, and it does change things dramatically at times in terms of wins versus ranked opponents. Um, and, you know, particularly in that region, there were a lot of teams that were in and out. And, you know, when we've gotten away from the once ranked, always ranked that we used to have, um, it does have a pretty big impact when you are, you know, you're looking at that extra column and, and how the teams do versus ranked opponents. And, um, you know, that did have an impact in some of the final selections with teams. And, you know, certainly DeSales was a high-quality team. There were many other high-quality teams that we looked at that didn't get in. And, you know, that was, you know, and, and honestly, if you break down their schedule, um, how many ranked teams did they beat? It wasn't a lot at the end. Um, who they beat certainly, yeah, that's interesting. Going back and forth, I mean, I obviously we don't know the final regional rankings. I'm I'm kind of curious, and well, I'll get to that question in a minute. I don't want to sidetrack us here. Um, do who any chance we can find out who maybe were those last eight teams represented at the table? No, you know, and again, I think I I mentioned this to you is that you know a lot of what you know what we do is is really supposed to be done in confidence, and and I can tell you that certainly we were looked at them. We looked at, you know, you can even probably guess, you know, basically based on how you guys did your looking at who would get in and who would not get in, that there was another group of schools that were, you know, strong records, maybe strength of schedule not quite as much or maybe not as many ranked teams, you know, ranked wins. Um, You know, there were some teams that had pretty good records but may have had quite a few losses that, you know, they weren't beating the teams they should have beaten. So, you know, I really can't give you the list of schools, but I'll tell you, it, it, when you get down to that end, it's a lot harder when you get down to the end than what it is when you get to the beginning. And I think that's why these calls tend to be, you know, 10 to 12 to 14 hours. And, uh, you know, and, and the integrity of the group is, you know, we'll labor over one or two teams and we'll re-vote and we'll rehash and we'll look at everything and make sure we don't miss anything. So, but inevitably we know that there's a couple of teams that are worthy that, that are going to get left out, must we expand the tournament. You guys obviously do, obviously the men and women read into the data differently, and that's the whole point. The data is supposed to be read into however the, the committee does it, and it changes year to year sometimes. Um, how much did you guys have to play around a lot with the win-loss versus SOS debate? Well, it's not, you know, there, if you if you read the primary criteria that the NCAA gives, I mean, the, one doesn't outweigh the other. Oh, certainly. No, I'm not saying right. that. No. Right. Um, and so you know, it's you know, it's it's not an exact science. So you look at you know all of those criteria, you know, reverse versus you know record versus common opponents. We look at uh, record versus ranked opponents, and you know. In certain cases, sometimes the win-loss is a tipping point. In other cases, it's the strength of schedule. I mean, it's the body of work. And, you know, when you try to focus, and I think that Kerry did a great job this year, as well as Kelly from the NCAA, is that, you know, we talk in the very first week when we look at the rankings is that, you know, we're taking a snapshot of that team's body of work. 
And, you know, we're looking at all of those criteria and, and trying to make a factor of, of who the top teams are. So, you know, I don't think it, it's, you know, if the men say the strength of schedule is more important than the win-loss. I mean, well, no. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we do it that way. I think no, no, we no. really try, we focus on body of work, body of work. And if I heard that word 20 times last night, huh. I I mean, it might have hurt it more than that, you know, but that's what we're, we're, we're really trying to focus on. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to say one. Uh, they, they don't weigh one over the other two. I'm just talking about the differences and how everybody reads into the data. Uh, yeah. The .03, for example, equaling two games scenario um, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no. I, you know, we don't get into that dialogue as much, and I have heard that before. Um, we definitely do use the .03 to be statistically significant in terms of strength of schedule, but I think that, you know, and it's true, and, and, you know, that strength of schedule number is kind of a made-up number, right? I mean, in a, in a sense, somebody created that data. So, you But know, it's been pretty consistent. That, you're right. And, and, you know, and the one thing I would say that the women do is that we really drill it down, and we really look at what, does, what do those numbers mean. And so when we look at a team that's 20 and 5, we look at, you know, who have they beaten? Who have they beaten over 600? Who have they beaten over 700? Who have they beaten over 800? Um you know, and we really get down to that fine, you know, trying to find the, the differential between two teams that may be from completely different regions of the country. And, you know, how do you separate them and how do you decide which one's better? So, you know, we do a lot of that. And, and you know, it's not an easy process and it's not an exact science. So, um, but again, I think that's what's been to me very refreshing is that, you know, as much as people are representing their regions, they're really, really trying to get the best teams in. And I find that to be a really, it's a great group to work with. Um, a quite, I always ask this of committee chairs, but since I've got you on too, I, I'm kind of curious. What is your take on not releasing these final regional rankings? It seems, um, in my opinion, it would answer half the questions we normally end up having. Um, I know that's a varying opinion across the board in Division Three, but what's your thoughts on it? You know, I mean, it's never been something I've actually given a lot of thought to. I mean, I'm certain that they have their reasons for it. Um, you know, I mean, it's certainly something that we can talk about if it would, you know, it may give light, you're right, to some of these questions when teams look at, you know, oh, geez, you know, I'm, I'm not, no longer beating ranked people because these people aren't ranked, right? Um, you know, and I, I, I debate sometimes whether we should continue with the once ranked, always ranked because, you know, there's some clarity in that, you know, and, okay, they're not ranked, but they were ranked at the time we played them. You know, so I think it's it's difficult, and, and you know the NCAA certainly has a lot uh, a lot of people that look at this not just in basketball but across the board to try to be consistent in how they do their selections. So, you know, it, it's a good it's an interesting point. I don't know that it's the right answer or the wrong answer. I'm not trying to dodge your question, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure if there's a reason strong enough reason to do it. it. It does help us at the end of the day. I mean, we have that data in front of us. And it certainly is a big factor in the decision-making process. Yeah, obviously you're not in the in the in national committee meetings where, where they make a lot of that decision. I knew that. I just wanted to kind of get your take on it. Uh, can I ask you a couple quick bracketing questions before we lose your voice for the day? You, you can try. You can uh, try. Yeah, uh, a couple quick questions. First and foremost, when uh, did did uh, Claremont Mud Scripts or, and or uh, UC Santa Cruz put into host? You know what? I am at home sick, so I don't have these okay. bids in front of me. Do you remember, um, though? I, I don't remember okay. um, off the top of my head. But I know, I mean, if you're talking about, like, the West Coast teams and stuff, and, you know, I mean, obviously you know the drill that yeah. we've got this oh, unbelievable challenge of trying not to have people fly around. 
um, and, you know, with budget and stuff. So, I mean, that's the driving force with the bracketing. Is oh, yeah, certainly. I, I was just, we just knew Claremont Munt Scripps and Santa Cruz were close enough that if one of them I put in for a host, I would have been fascinated to see what you guys would have had to have forced to do uh, since one of them could technically bust to the other. Um, yeah, I actually have the bids at work, but I don't have them in front of me that's right okay. now. Uh, my, my other question would be, though, you decided to send both Californias to Texas um, mm-hmm. and send George Fox to what is a, a historically kind of rough pod in St. Norbert, Stevens Point, and DePaul. Was there any talk of saying, okay, maybe one of these Californias should go where George Fox is going, and maybe George Fox should head down to, to Texas, Tyler? Well, I mean, the, uh, those specific pods, I mean, I can tell you what we do is what we, you know, what we do when we get, you know, everything in front of us is we try to look at them and make sure that one is not super loaded. You know, obviously we want to make sure that they're balanced and we've got some, you know, some good matchups and, and some strong. We try to make them each strong and, and you know, no cupcakes for anybody. Um, specifically, whether we talked about those things, honestly, I don't remember. We talked, you know, it, the call went quite late, and we pretty much looked at each pod and, and how do these look and do they match up. And so the conversations were long and lengthy. So I can't remember if we specifically talked about that or not. Um, you also have a ton of Wisconsin teams that kind of meeting off together. Oshkosh and Superior, former MI, uh, WIAC uh, cohorts, but then that's just a, a big Wisconsin conglomerate of teams. There's times where I saw a lot of, of spreading it out, um, you know, trying to get as much regions as possible, and then there's some areas where you guys kind of have all the same region. Was it? Was it? What kind of binds did you guys find yourself in? Well, you know, the bracketing software is, is, is pretty cool because, you know, we can take the, the cursor and, and put it over a team and it tells you how many miles you can go. And so when we start to do those, you know, there's certain regions that are just tougher to get to. And I think the one region, which is the one you're talking about in particular? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, for example, Oshkosh versus Superior and Wartburg versus uh, Wisconsin Lutheran. Right. Yeah, we did. We talked about all those, but it was very difficult to find teams from other, you know, groups that we could start moving around and get into that, you know, and, and hit that under 500 and not have a flight. So, you know, in certain areas, you know, the Atlantic and Mid-Atlantic and even sometimes the Northeast, you know, because of the proximity of teams and you can have a lot more, I guess, variety, you know, where you can split up regions and, and move people around much more uh, economically. But when you get into other areas of the country, it's very difficult to have anybody get there, um, you know, under that 500 miles. So it's, it is a challenge. Uh, the other thing with the women's hosting, um, just being outside of uh, uh, the men being priorities, what I'm trying to say. I'm assuming by looking at these, you pretty much had a bracket that was going to go to Amherst. You had a bracket that was going to go to Tufts, and you had a bracket that was going to go to St. Thomas. You got confirmation you couldn't go to those three locations, so you just found another host inside those four. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, this is an end year. So, yeah. what I'm saying is, you didn't call. you didn't go and have to redo your brackets necessarily. You just went and looked for another one in that pod. Well, I mean, basically, what we did was once we had finished with the teams and everything, and we kind of you know, we realized who was hosting for the men, you know, and then we began the, the process of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I sent, I sense, I mean, it could be the same idea, but, you know, we knew we weren't able to go to, you know, sites A, B, C, and D, whatever, because the men were hosting. So we kind of had to revisit and then look at, you know, and then we had to go make sure that the other teams had put bids in, you know, that would fit into that, to that area. 
Um, well, I think that's okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got like six thoughts going on in my head, and they're all conflicting with each other. It's really funny to listen to if you were in my head. Um, <laughs> one of the, the only other thing, I obviously you tried to. It seemed like you guys tried to make a, a full on effort to spread out a lot of the power teams as much as you could. Was there an effort? I know the men talk about it of looking at who they feel are the top 16 seeds and spreading them around the bracket. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we, they, we definitely spread out the top teams. I mean, we don't um, go one for 16. We don't do that. Um, but we do try to make sure that we look at the top teams in the regions and make sure again, that, you know, you don't have the two or you feel the two best teams playing each other in the first round or the second round, you know, there's definitely a uh, concerted effort to look at the regions and spread them out. And, you know, I mean, who's, who's the top seed in women's basketball? Who do you think? Oh, Thomas Moore. Okay, yeah. So I'm putting you on the spot, right? So, yeah, that was pretty know, obvious. So obviously, you know, it, there's definitely an awareness of that. Um, you know, it's, it's not quite as 1 through 16, but we do definitely try to spread them out. And, you know, the goal is to have the best two teams playing in the championship game. And, you know, I think that, you know, my experience last year with the committee, you know, I thought they did a great job. And, you know, it was a great championship last year. And, and so hopefully we'll, we'll end up with another great tournament, I, you know. And you never know, right? There's going to be some upsets and somebody might, you know, come out of this thing that, oh, sure. that surprises everybody. So so we'll see. But, you know, they, they do a good job. And, and it's a long, exhausting day. It really is. I'm sure you're tired, too. I, I Yeah, I'm just a little bit tired. Uh, any uh, things you would change? Uh, not necessarily to this bracket, but to the overall process? Oh, well, I mean, it would be nice if it wasn't so condensed, um, you know, from a physical human being standpoint, you know, where you have to do a call and, and you know, a 10-, 12-hour call. And if there was a little bit more time, I think the one thing I would love to see not just for uh, the committee, but also just to give it a little bit more space and time would be to have all the championship games finished on Saturday. I think oh. that that would, um, that would just kind of give a lot more clarity and a lot more, you know, as we go into Selection Sunday, everything would be done and over, you know, and, and everything would be ready to go. And I think the committee could probably have a little bit more time. And we're really, you know, some of these games, we're on the call and these, these games aren't even completed and we're trying to get things done. Uh, what time did you guys finish, by the way? Uh, it was actually early last night. I think it was about 1230. Um, you guys went till 1240? 1230. I think it was about 1230, yeah. You do not want to know what time the men finished. What time? Before 9. Before 9? Yeah. Well, they must be they must be not as thorough as the women then, I guess. <laughs> I, I can't tell you, Coach. All I know is is the is that they've they've beaten you guys by a few hours the last few years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but. well, I, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. I realize, uh, you know, we're, there's only so much information we can get, and but we, we, we still do our due diligence, and I appreciate you coming on and talking about the brackets um, and obviously being sick and all and filling in for Carrie on top of all that. So thank you for taking the time. Um, I do, as always, give my coach, uh, guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, thank you, and, and thank you for, for covering Division Three. I hope it'll be a great tournament. Yes, definitely, and hopefully I'll see you in Indianapolis. That's right. All right, thanks, Dave. Take care. Yep, take care. Bye-bye. Coach Bobby Morgan from Haverford, she basically filled in for Carrie. Um, um, excuse me, my brain is fried. Called in for Carrie Carollo, the Women's Basketball Committee Chair, since Carrie basically was off the call from what I'm gathering about 15 of the selections. want to clarify something in case people weren't hearing uh, Carrie right. Uh, at one point, Carrie mentioned a number of the coaches who weren't on the call. 
And I know a, a friend of mine was a little frustrated by that. Um, the call encompasses regional rankings, re-regional rankings, at-large picks, and selections and um, bracketing. That's what, when you, when you hear somebody say the call, they're talking about the whole day. So, for example, uh, more, uh, Moravian's head coach was off the call at one point. Well, that's when her team was involved maybe in bracketing and regional rankings. But she was fully involved during the at-large process because she, could, she, she had no, there's no reason to take her off the call. Um, so I don't want anybody to be confused out there. Would we like to see regional rankings? Absolutely. Would you like to see last data? Absolutely. Are we going to get it? No. And uh, and unfortunately, on the women's side, we don't tend to get those answers either. We tend to get a little bit more information on the men's side. Something I continue to work on in the offseason, and you never know. Might get that breakthrough after all someday. Uh, but we're just certainly not going to get it this year. Got to take a break. When we come back, men's committee chair coming on. We're a few minutes late. I want to get to him as soon as I can. Brian Van Haften from uh, Buena Vista will join us to talk about the men's bracket. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll talk men's basketball when we return here on Hoopsville. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, talk, to, talk to the two women in, primarily involved in the Women's Committee, 
Uh, Carrie Carollo, who's a women's chair, but unfortunately had to come off the call for a long period of time, um, and including bracketing. Um, and then we talked to Bobby Morgan from Haverford, who was able to participate in the entire thing, just unfortunately due to the fact that her team wasn't involved. That's just the, the way things work out. going to switch gears, talk men's basketball now in that bracket that we have on the other side. Brian Van Haften is the head coach of Bunavista and is the man who's uh, running the ship, as it were, for <clears throat> for that for that committee this year. And uh, Brian joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline, uh, sponsored by the City of Salem. Brian, welcome to Hoopsville, sir, once again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for all you do, and uh, you've done a great job for this uh, for this weekend. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Um, overall, we'll start with the easy one. How do you think everything went? Yeah, I thought it went well. Uh, we had a great group. We have a great committee. Uh, we get along really well. There are always challenges when you get down to the last four or five teams. But uh, overall, I thought it went well. I thought the bracket looks good. Uh, I thought we got some got some fortune to, you know, get everything worked out for the most part. I mean, there's always a little challenge with the South and the, and the Far West, but other than that, I thought it worked out pretty well. Um, we'll get into some of more of the nitty gritty, as it were. But you guys actually finished up. Uh, I think it was before nine o'clock Eastern time. If if my if my message from you is read correctly, which made me a little bit jealous. Um, it seems over the years the men have gotten very proficient um, and very streamlined in this process. How much has that changed in your four years doing this? Well, what has changed the most is that uh, starting last year, uh, Jeff Burns and Steve Ulrich and I and, and a couple of others, uh, we tried to put together the Joe Lenardi bracketology kind of thing and, <laughs> and have our bracket work on the bracket for a couple of weeks before we even get there. Uh, that way you have a chance to really take a look at who you think the host might be. You take a good look at some of the teams that are going to be on the bubble. Now you have a chance to take a look at geography on how geography is all going to work out. And I think that's helped us so that when we get to last night, when we're really tired, you don't come up with a bad bracket. And uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's the key. We as coaches, what we don't want is having a bracket that is so powerful on one side and then not so powerful on the other side. And uh, we just try to do the best job that we can, knowing that the NCAA has you know, certain guidelines, the 500-mile guidelines and, and all those kinds of things that go with it. I think that's how it's streamlined more than anything because it took us forever to get together the 18 or 19 teams last night. I mean, that certainly doesn't take any less time, but our bracket just takes a little less time. Sure, uh, I can understand that, and and, and I know that Jeff was, was certainly thrilled with that, uh, that he put it in place and was hopefully it would stick around. Nice to hear it at least stuck one year under you, um, the, that process. How much is a game like... <laughs> In case my friend JJ is listening, how much is a game like Lynchburg versus Randolph kill you guys? You know, that's a game that starts at something like what three three thirty in the afternoon on a Sunday. It goes to overtime. It has major ramifications if Lynchburg loses. How much is a game like that really handcuff you? Well, it would be really nice if we didn't have any games on Sunday. It would make it a lot simpler. Uh, but uh, what is interesting, though, have you appreciate this? Is that we were we needed to put two more teams in the tournament when we got down to overtime of the Lynchburg game. 
And we were prepared to put Lynchburg as one of those teams in, but we had to sit through overtime to decide whether we needed to put one team in, actually one team in or zero teams in. Mm. And as it turned out, Lynchburg won, so they were already in. So then we had to decide on our last team at that point. Um, yeah, I'm sure when they hit overtime, somebody probably put a fist through a table. <laughs> You know, and obviously Jeff Burns was texting us and letting us know that he was the biggest problem of the whole bunch. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's coming back to haunt you, isn't he? Yeah, for sure. Um, We had about a 20-minute break to watch the end of the Lynchburg game before we decided on the last team. It was probably good for us and had gave us a chance to take a look at all the teams that were in the running yet, and and uh, it worked out well. So this process usually is kind of starts at night when everything's done. You guys are starting this earlier in the day and just kind of starting to roll through it, aren't you? Yeah. Yesterday morning, 9 o'clock my time, I met with our West Region Rack, and then at 10 o'clock my time, which would be 11 Eastern, we got together as a national committee. We picked out, we picked, oh, we went through all the racks and, and decided on the the rankings and that kind of thing. That took us about two hours and 15 minutes. We broke for lunch for an hour, and then we came back and uh, picked the 19 teams at large, and we took another hour, and uh, we put to, and in that time, Elisa and Kevin Vanestreek and I put together the last bracket and uh, brought it to the whole committee and made a few adjustments along the way. I did it again this morning at 8.30. This morning we got together as a group, and took a look at the bracket. We actually made a couple of adjustments just in the bracket, not in the teams. And uh, just good to sleep on it and then go ahead and uh, give it to you from there. Um, when you when you talk about um, the process and, and these racks, I know you guys made a number of changes throughout the year, and every committee does, to what the, re, the what racks are doing um, initially. And you, you might make tweaks, as it were, and obviously you make tweaks at the end because they're a new set of results versus regionally ranked opponents becomes prevalent. Um, did you find the racks were being consistent, or was this a very difficult year with how much, how many losses there were out there and the parity that seemed to be in play? A lot of parity, Dave. You're exactly right. I thought yesterday we didn't really change too much. We might have tweaked a couple of situations, but for the most part, everything is pretty good by this time. The first two weeks, we made adjustments just because they're originally ranked teams and uh, just try to get everybody consistent. It takes about three weeks to really get our racks to be consistent all the way across the board. And for us as a national committee to be consistent. Um, Would you mind having another regional rank? Uh, Now that we don't have once ranked, always ranked, is it, is it worth maybe getting one more regional ranking done a a week earlier just to start the process and get, uh, get a few more kind of swings at as it were, um, in before you get to this point? I think it's about right. Uh, potentially we could. We do a mock ranking. We do a mock ranking a week before the first one comes out. I would say that uh, we've got plenty of things to do as coaches and administrators. I think we probably do it about enough. Okay. Uh, obviously, I could be swayed differently on that. But, <laughs> you sound like but, you could uh, be. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's pretty good the way it is. Um, you obviously had 19 teams to pick. The looks like, potentially, this could be the last time we have 19 teams to pick. We might have 21 next year with a full 64 bracket. But nonetheless, you had I 19. So. Yeah, so do we. Uh, we had 19 to pick. 
What was the biggest challenge, especially as you guys got down to the end with having to pick these teams? What was the biggest challenge you guys seemed to be facing? Well, that's a great question, and uh, I have no problem with giving you, uh, you know, full transparency as we go through this. I think that's important for all of us. But what's interesting is you've got the teams of the high SOS side, and then you've got the teams of the high one-loss percentage side, and it's hard to decipher between the two. And uh, therefore, we kind of took the high SOS side and compared those teams. Then we compared the the high one-loss percentage teams, compared those, and decided which one was best. And then we could probably compare the highest of, on each side, and that gave us a little better feeling down the down the end. But now you can ask any committee chairman on this, and you will find that the last five picks, there's a lot of quiet amongst our groups at that at that point because you're looking at all the information, and quite frankly, all the teams are the same. And uh, you'll, you'll hear crickets for a little while because people are just saying, hmm, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think the one thing we did find up until maybe the last pick is that all the teams that we picked in the last few had beaten somebody that was ahead of them in the rankings. Hmm. And then the last couple was not necessarily in that boat. Um, but now we were hoping, uh, you know, but the last four or five, you could you could throw them up in the air because uh, as I say that, I realize maybe I might be wrong as I say that, but it's uh, – it gets really tough the last four or five. Uh, Pat and I had about five. We literally threw up in the air and just threw them into the tournament. We ended up being right on all five of those. Thank goodness. Um, yep. Interesting enough, you said something to me, and and I don't know if you if 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 it's worth sharing or not. But you know, we we missed out on one. That one was New Jersey City. You guys put Lagrange in. It was our last pick. It came down to those two, and obviously six others that are sitting on the board. Um, but you made it sound like Lagrange had gotten in earlier. I mean, it certainly speaks to why uh, or how difficult it is to select teams. But uh, any chance we have an idea of who those last few teams that made the tournament might have been? Yeah, the last few teams were were Whitman, uh, Scranton, and NYU were probably the last three or four teams in there. Um, and, uh, you know, the last uh, three teams that were probably not in were probably St. John's from Minnesota, Rochester, and Jersey City. Gotcha. Um, out of curiosity. LaGrange, uh, yeah, LaGrange, uh, obviously, also. But we try to peel the onion a little bit more. And if you really take a look at LaGrange, you see that they played 13 of their. 27 games against teams that had won 60% of their games. And they were 8-5 and five against those teams who were over 60%. And that was better than all the others. That's something the new... And, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Yeah, and then I just... You know, that that's really... I mean, because you can't just look at the numbers and say, well, that's how we're going to do it. And we don't want to just say, well, I think LaGrange is better. I, I think St. John's is better or whatever. We want to really try to peel the onion back just a little bit more, and that helps us to really take a look and see, you know, if a team has really won some big games. And, uh, you know, they've beaten Emory along the way, LaGrange had, and uh, that's why they got in because they're 8-5 uh, and five against 60%. Um, that, that 60% thing, I've heard it on the women's side too, and I've heard it some in some other places. You guys are 
really in that secondary criteria, trying to dive into everything. And you've used that peel the onion uh, scenario with me uh, when we've just chatted throughout the year. Um, is, is that something the NCAA suggested this might be a nice barometer? Is that something you guys in your own conversation say, hey, listen, when we're talking about the overall record here, what's it look like against X? How does that come up in conversation? Well, let's face it. As you know how difficult it is to do it when you do it yourself, as you have, Dave, you've got to have more information. And to be honest, the guy that has driven this the most uh, in the past is Steve Ulrich, uh, who is uh, the commissioner at, uh, of the Centennial Conference. He always put together a list of all the little things to know about all these teams. And if it wasn't for that, uh, it just wouldn't work. And this year, Kevin Bannistreek had an intern who just kind of put together a few little things that we would that we should know about each team. And uh, quite frankly, it really helps us out a lot. And uh, you know, there might no there be there may be nothing that we get from it, but sometimes there is. Uh, sometimes you find a team that's three and five against those teams, and another team is eight and five, and that usually will tell you something about their team. Um, when you look at, um, that kind of data, do do you worry that, um, you're going outside the criteria or do you feel comfortable you're inside the criteria? And I ask that because there's someone who's got to be listening going, wait, well, that's not written in the criteria, but we also go into deep when we talk results versus reaching ranked opponents. So I'm trying to, do you guys have those kinds of conversations? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, without question. I mean, it's results versus ranked teams. It's SOS. It's results versus common opponents. It's one loss percentage. And then when all that is even, there's got to be something else. And uh, that's that's it. I mean, it's not a criteria. It's just something that helps us when everything is even. Um, when you, How many guys had to come off the call? Did anybody have to come off the call for you guys? No. Hmm. You guys got lucky Nobody. compared to the women. Um, what about bracketing? There's some of your guys are involved in the in the tournament, are they not? No, nobody in the eight. How about that? Huh? Nope. Yeah. Wow. Well, the, yeah. The Atlantic, no. The Northeast, no. East, no. Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. How about that? Okay. We Sorry, I'm just so that. used to somebody being on the committee. Um, yep. All right, let's 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 talk about the bracket just a little bit here. Um, some fascinating decisions at the same time, some interesting ones. I kind of want to go through. First and foremost, um, Benedictine was the number was what you guys considered giving an, an uh, a number one seeding to. I'm using that term in a D1 way uh, with the buy, and obviously Whitworth was a geographic decision. What was the ultimate decision with Benedictine? The ultimate decision was that Texas. Uh, we were told by the NCAA that. Since there are two teams in Texas, that only one of them would fly, and if they would fly, they would fly into a major airport. <laughs> and with wow. uh, with, with Minneapolis, we were probably intending on having them go to Minneapolis to play St. Thomas, but then they got beat yesterday, wow. and uh, we uh, flipped it to O'Hare and go to Chicago. And uh, so, in other words, Augustana had no chance out of it with Davenport, Iowa, and Rock City in the Quad City. There, there's not a that's not considered a big airport in the eyes of the NCAA. 
No, I don't think so. Yeah, they probably like Southwest Airlines. <laughs> um, I, I only because I know the flights well. Uh, so obviously, yeah, the Texas schools made some sense here. I, one of the brackets that kind of surprised me, and to be honest with you, when you and I talked this morning, I for, I, I missed this one. John Carroll, St. Vincent, Alma, Denison. And I'll tell you, we kind of gathered some information to kind of try and figure out what the Great Lakes regional rankings were. And our idea was that, um, you know, it just doesn't seem like John Carroll versus St. Vincent made as much sense as it should have been maybe John Carroll versus Denison and Alma versus St. Vincent. Was that a, a pod you guys toiled over at all since it's all Great Lakes teams? Yeah, we did. Well, we, we looked over that one. Um, you know, Denison put together a great run. I mean, they beat, uh, they beat Wooster. They beat, uh, they beat Ohio West. Oh, who's the other team? Ohio West. And right. Yeah. Uh, so they beat those two teams and, and, uh, just felt they're deserving to play, uh, either one of them. I mean, I think Lynchburg and Ohio Wesleyan are in a lot of ways, or we're talking about John Carroll, aren't we? John Carroll and Alma, you know, in a lot of ways are, you know, had had a lot of the same type of year. John Carroll went in their conference tournament. Alma went in their conference tournament, and uh, so to be honest with you, no, we didn't discuss that one a whole lot. Uh, it just kind of worked out geography standpoint uh, for those teams to be there. You know, it certainly makes sense. I, I'm not necessarily against them being there. I just found it interesting if Denison at 17 and 11 as an at large, uh, you would I would think they would go up against what would be considered the number one in the region versus St. Vincent, who's middle of the region along with Alma. That seems like a perfect, like, for lack of a better description, 4-5 game. Yeah, you know, I guess uh, we just looked at that and uh, just felt like that uh, that we thought the four seed was St. Vincent. Okay. And uh, just what, how we felt. Okay. Um, the rest of this, obviously the men having advantage, uh, the primary, uh, responsibilities on the weekend gave you guys some advantages. You didn't have to ship out Amherst or anybody like that, but interesting enough, you have three great lakes hosts and you have three mid Atlantic hosts. Um, you're usually, we see two out of each region, unless you have no choice and the South tends to be one where, where that gets gobbled up an extra one. Sometimes what was the reasoning behind, uh, the three in each of those two regions in particular? And as a result, the Atlantic and the East only getting one. Well, the last couple of years, we've kind of changed on that. We want to keep one team from each region to host, but after that, we want the top teams. And, uh, well, we just felt that the Mid-Atlantic and the Great Lakes had the best years this year. And when we compared Ohio Wesleyan and and Catholic and Susquehanna to maybe the second team in the Atlantic or the second team in the East, we felt like they had the advantage. Uh, and on top of it, it worked out as far as geogra- geography and all that kind of stuff. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it lucked out for you. Whereas Catholic was on the southern side, and so was CNU. You at least had Susquehanna on the northern side of the Mid-Atlantic right, uh, right. to fill in a hole for you a little bit there. And obviously the Great Lakes kind of crossed over, as it were, um, gave a, a, a wide variety of, 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 of areas where you could get teams in and out of. Um You've talked to uh, committee members in the past, and you've talked about it with me as well, have talked about seeding the top 16. I think you even talked about it a little bit earlier here, seeding the top 16 teams in some capacity or another. Um, How much has that impacted the bracket? Well, I think it's really important. We want them to be equal. We want them to equal. And if you add up, we tried to rank the top 16 teams. And so if you're number one, you got one point. If you're number 16, you got 16. 
And what we wanted to do are the top four seeds in each quadrant. We wanted to equal somewhere between 32 and 39, and I think that's what we got done. Um, a couple, you know, one I think was around 32. One might have been 34. Another 37. Number another 39. That that way we want to keep them as equal as we can. We felt like that Augustana and St. Thomas were two of the top four teams, and so from a number standpoint, from a metric standpoint, you know, we wanted to. Uh, bring in Emory, who we consider to be 16, and uh, you know, Whitworth would be uh, a little bit further down down the road, but uh, that way uh, it kind of equals out a little bit better. Um, what were the biggest challenges with this bracket that you guys faced? I mean, I can probably spot a few, but from your vantage point, what was the biggest, biggest challenges you had bracket-wise? Well, the biggest challenge is always the West Central and Great Lakes because there's so much space in between all those schools. It's a little bit easier in the Northeast and, the, and on the East Coast, but in the West and the Central, you know, ex- excluding uh, the West Coast, you got St. Thomas, St. Norbert, Augustana, and Benedictine. All four of those teams are real power teams, and there wasn't quite as many middle of the road teams this year in those sections. And it took us it took a lot to get everything to work out. We actually caught some breaks with having the two Texas schools go up to Benedictine because there just wasn't enough schools to go around for those four teams that we felt deserved to host. That was the biggest challenge. Okay. And then to have a one, two, three, and four seed at each site. Interesting. You have Benedictine and Augustine on the opposite side. Were there any efforts? You obviously thought very highly of St. Thomas up until their loss in the conference title game. Was there any thoughts of trying to get St. Thomas and Augustana, for example, away from each other? Um, maybe even you know, trying, or was some of this getting down to geography? Well, I think that if, if Benedictine would have lost a game or two late down the year, we might have switched that up. But uh, the bottom line is, from Augustana to John Carroll is over 500 miles, but it's not with Benedictine. And uh, from a geography standpoint, it just works a little bit better. Uh, honestly, two of the three teams had to be playing against each other. I mean, they're all so close, Benedictine, Augustana, and St. Thomas. Uh, we could not separate all three into different brackets. Two had to be together, and uh, it just worked out better that way. So we can all blame Elmhurst here for losing to Benedictine and beating Augustana here to screwing all this up. <laughs> Perfect. All right, let's there, do that. There we go. We, we blame him. How much do the uh, the the uh, teams like a Central or a Denison, um, nearly a Randolph, how much did those kind of throw a bunch of monkey wrenches into things on Friday and Saturday for you guys? Yeah, Middlebury, Denison, St. Olaf. You know, of course, St. Olaf – you know, was at the end of the day. Yeah, those uh, throw a little monkey wrench in it. That, that changes things just a little bit. I think I'm probably missing somebody. Yeah, we had oh, to start thinking about Randolph a little bit. Yeah, there's plenty. Cortland uh, winning, and Oswego beat Plattsburgh, and there's, there was yeah. quite a few this year. Yeah. You know, I don't think we we probably would not have considered, uh, you know, Cortland and Middlebury, St. Olaf, and Denison, and so – for sure. I mean, there's there's some changes that had to be made, and, and that's how your bracket can make a little bit of a mistake sometimes, because some of the changes happen late, and uh, I think all of us who are in the committee would love to eliminate the Sunday games. Yeah, well, 
I've, I can understand that entirely. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, I think there's been a, a little bit of talk about that uh, under, under behind closed doors as it were. Yeah. Um, how, what else do you think about this bracket before I ask you a couple more questions, anything, you know, non-bracket related, but uh, anything else about this bracket that stood out from you when you guys finally completed it? Well, what I like about it is I think it has a lot of representation in every bracket, almost every bracket has a different region involved, and that's kind of our goal, uh, to try to take advantage of the 500 miles, uh, if that's uh, a good word to use, I guess. Uh, we we want to take advantage of that and, and ship some teams, like Worcester goes over to the Middle Atlantic. The Lancaster Bible is from the east. They, they go down to the Middle Atlantic. And we wanted to have a lot of them that way. Uh, it doesn't always work that way, but uh, just because of uh, geography and those kinds of things. But uh, that's kind of our goal when we get to, especially the East Coast. i uh, got to ask you about Lancaster Bible. Obviously, they took care of business by going undefeated and making the NCAA tournament and taking the NAC AQ, and so we didn't have to worry about them necessarily. But how much did they start becoming an enigma? Or let they me rephrase in, that. How much, in, how much did they start becoming ahead. a little bit of a pain? <laughs> yeah. You know, they were no enigma, to be honest with you. We talked about them way more in the first two weeks than we did the last two weeks. Mm. Um, just to get our minds straight about the types of teams we're looking at, it wasn't just Lancaster Bible either. It was like Northwestern from St. Paul. Uh, Nichols, uh, maybe, is, is an example. I think I'm missing somebody here. Johnson that, uh, and Wales, maybe? Johnson and Wales, yeah, that's the one. Uh, we talked about those teams a lot, not just Lancaster Bible. And I watched Lancaster Bible on video on Saturday, and I felt pretty comfortable about about things because I thought they were going to win. I thought they looked pretty good, and uh, I thought they would. I thought they were going to win, and I'm glad they did. Uh, you and I, I was at that same game that you were watching, and uh, okay. outside of the first ten minutes, I'll agree with you. The first ten minutes had me nervous. <laughs> uh, they 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 got they. Oh yeah, they had me a little bit nervous. Um, all in all, any other thoughts on this bracket? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I think there's always going to be potentially some some differences of opinion in some of them, but I think for the most part, I'm happy with that with the bracket overall. Yeah, but I thought everyone did a really nice job on our committee and and really helped out. Our one of our goals was to make sure that nobody played in the in a pot of four against someone they had played against during the season, and uh, except for in the South and the West. And we did that except for one team, and that was Northwestern from St. Paul. Uh, we, we couldn't do anything but put them at St. Norbert. But I figured Tim would be happy because they won both games over there last year, <laughs> and they did not play St. Norbert along the way. And uh, so we felt good about that. And also, we didn't want to have anyone go to the same place they went last year. And like I said, Northwestern was the only one that was the case, unless I'm missing somebody. Now uh, top that's, of my head. that's our goal, yeah. Well, pretty good job. I appreciate you being as transparent as possible. Now you just got to gotta win the good fight and get those regional rankings released for everybody. Man, that's, a, that's ridiculous. But uh, I'm sorry about that because it would make all the sense in the world. But, but that's how we're going to keep it until someone changes the uh, – 
changes our mind, but certainly our committee would have no problems with, with releasing those rankings. Yeah, that is the truth. Uh, I know that for sure. Uh, Brian, I appreciate you taking the time. I uh, really enjoyed our chats off air, too, um, along the way. Really appreciate it. Um, I know you get to at least enjoy this tournament. I know your team's not in it. Any thoughts on on your at least talk about your team maybe a little bit here about how you guys finished the season? Well, we finished the season playing our way. Uh, the last couple of games that we had, we had to win the last game of the conference season, and uh, we got that win and played well. And the first conference tournament game, we played really well, and we played our way. And uh, we just ran into a buzzsaw against Wartburg. I thought uh, I thought they played really well this, in the game against us, and uh, it was a tough year for us, uh, young team, and uh, uh, we expect to back, bounce back next year. Uh, well, and this is your last year on the committee, unless they somehow decide to drag you back in. Um, did you at least enjoy this part of it? The fun part's up next, but I mean, did you enjoy it up to this point? This is the best committee I've ever been a part of. This has been so much fun. I've, I've met so many good friends uh, along the way. Mike DeWitt, Jeff Burns, Steve Ulrich, Tim Fitzpatrick. I mean, that to just name a couple. Bob McVean and I came together on this. Kevin Vanestreek was my assistant coach when I was a player in college. And uh, now we're on this committee together. So that's it, a lot of fun to be in contact with he and his wife again. And and uh, it's really been a lot of fun. Yeah, when we talked to uh, Kevin at the D3Hoops.com Classic, I asked him if he had any trouble taking orders from you. He certainly didn't seem like that was the problem. He seemed like you still were taking orders from him. <laughs> it has always been the way it has always been. And uh, quite frankly, every decision made on this committee this year was all about Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. With that much strength of schedule? Interesting. Okay. And so I, I'm surprised his team didn't get a sniff at the table then. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I know I'll look forward to seeing you uh, in um, Salem if I don't see you prior. Um, as always, we'll sit down and have a good chat. But thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, appreciate you answering the questions. Um, and I know you're tired. I'm tired. So I'll let you go. And I'm going to wrap up the show here eventually and get going. But thank you so much. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuning in? Dave, you do a great job for D3 Hoops. And uh, it's always a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. Uh, it's another advantage of this committee. You do a great job at D3 Hoops. And I want to wish everybody a lot of luck this upcoming week and can't wait to see who ends up in Salem. Very good, sir. Thank you very much for the kind words. Good luck, and we'll see you in a couple weeks at the latest. Okay, my friend. Take care. All right, take care. Brian Van Hafton joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Of course, City of Salem, the host of the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship weekend. Join us in the Roanoke Valley as we talk Division Three basketball and get to see who's uh, um, going to win a title. That's how we're going to do it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Mr. Pat Coleman will join us. We'll break down these brackets for the last half hour of the show. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got questions for a Pat and I, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. 
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. This is our bracket special. <clears throat> I've lost track of how many hours I have been on the air now in the last two days. Um, but I hope you're enjoying the show. I will freely admit, when we are done in about 30 minutes, I'm done. We're taking a break. Uh, I will look at the brackets, but I may not open up a computer, uh, at least until tomorrow morning. But if you've got questions for myself or Pat Coleman, who will be joining us, please tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can talk with us. I am pulling my bracket out. Unfortunately, I don't have the cool and nifty D3Hoops designed one, which, as you can see, Mr. Pat Coleman has. But that's because I still have my original copies from the NCAA. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm fine with that. I just haven't had any time to print them yet. Yeah, yeah, geez. Plus the one over the shoulder, plus the one that's in the background of my camera shot. I mean, Jesus. I think we're good. <clears throat> I think uh, the, the sponsor is happy. Wait, what? Um, yeah, can, could, you, could you talk to that one guy for me? Um, first and foremost, thank you uh, for your, your help with me last night and, and behind the scenes today. Um, I'll freely admit at one point I was just staring at my computer screen. Uh, yeah, that's true. No, no. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I, I, I'm just realizing I don't think anybody can hear you. So something's a little off here. I can hear you. But you, so hold on. I need. I I know. I know what the mistake is. So bear with us, folks. I just realized none of you can hear us because I made a device mistake, and I will fix that device mistake as we speak. Just bear with me. Um, hmm. Or not. Go ahead and talk for me a second, Pat. Yep. 
it's on the wrong system. Okay, hold on a second, folks. We're going to hit that. Go ahead and talk again. Uh, we're here. Am I here? Oh, okay. Now I can't hear you, so we're going to have to work on that system. <laughs> uh, but if people can hear you, Pat. Nope, now they can't hear you because I'm, I'm playing with things here, and I clearly have got it screwed up. And it's not, it doesn't like me. It doesn't like me. Uh, let's try this. Now go ahead and give me a chitty chat. Not working. Keep. Hold on. All right, I'm going to just dump something else and do something else. So here's how we're going to do this. Go ahead, Pat, and chat while I switch the source of my audio is what we're going to do here. No, it's not there. Oh, this is frustrating. No, I'm going to I'm going to get this fixed. Darn it all. I'm going to get it fixed. Brian Van Haft did. There, mean, now they goodness. can hear you, Pat. I so, also want to thank on. Brian Van I can't Van hear Haft. you, but I will. I will make that work. Go ahead. I just wanted to thank Brian Van Hafton for being so uh, forthcoming with us. That's uh, that's fantastic information that every committee chair should be willing to share. What does it hurt? What does it hurt to tell us that, uh, which in some cases is fairly obvious information, right? That, that St. John's is left on the table, that U of Rochester is left on the table, you know, that sort of thing. The stuff that feels fairly obvious if you go do and go through and do the bracketology like we've done it. Why is it such a state secret? Yeah, I don't disagree with you as I'm pulling my earpiece out of my back here as that is no longer going to work. That is not um, what I thought you were going to say. Hello. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, you're preaching the choir. I know there's an SID yeah. friend of mine from one particular school losing his mind because we weren't getting any information on the women's side. And mm. I, I'm not. Listen, I don't want anybody to think I'm apathetic. I'm not. I've just heard the same answers for 10 years. Um, yeah. I've, gotten, I've gotten used to them. Yeah, I don't think we've ever really gotten anything forthcoming from the Women's Committee. Is that right? Uh, maybe early on before everything started changing, but I, I don't really remember, so I can't yeah. speak to that for sure. I know the men have evolved. It used to be that we didn't get much out of the men either, uh, and they have evolved. But, you know, I'm at that point now where um, I'm, I, I'm also tired today, so it's not like I have a ton of fiery questions <laughs> to ask like I've been in the past when I've been tired. Um, well, that's okay. I, I, I prefer this, Dave, to... Uh, yeah, I prefer this, Dave, 14 too. Yeah. Selection 13, Sunday, Dave. 13, 14. No, you're right. It was 14. 14 yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, we also had a situation there where Carrie Carolla wasn't even on three-quarters of the, or more of the call. Yeah. And Bobby Morgan's answering basically not as the chair. Um, I'm I, There's only so much I can feet, I can put to the fire necessarily there, and... At the same time, we haven't gotten answers. I, I sadly will say this, and if they're listening, I hope nobody on the Women's Kitty takes exception to this, but we've taken a step back with Dave Martin coming off the committee. Um, well, I would just say this. I remember once upon a time, but I, I've partially related this story to you off air. Um, once upon a time getting uh, um, scolded by Bobby Morgan about what journalistic responsibility is. Like, I was perfectly willing to throw down journalistic responsibility for you in the course of that conversation if necessary. It was just, there was just a whole lot of nothing there. Yeah, unfortunately. And I just, yep. I mean, I can't blame anybody necessarily uh, because I think it's a larger problem, but I continue to work on that problem in the off season and I continue to, I think I'm making headway. Um, I think if the WBCA can be as big a proponent um, and a partner, as the NABC is, on the men's side, that can make a major difference. But we have to get to that point first. We aren't there at that point. And so thus we're stuck with not getting many answers from people.
Yeah, I guess the big question of what everything came down to is the people are asking this question still over the course of the day, I think, on the men's side is the decision between NYU and University of Rochester, which comes down to those final regional rankings. Yeah. You know, what was it that put NYU ahead? And I, the only thing I can think of is that, um, you know, maybe the criteria doesn't necessarily uh, say it one way or the other, but um, when when you're a regional committee, you're, you want to get teams in, right? Um, and if... Uh, if the East Region Committee looks at that and goes, you know, I just don't see how U of Rochester is going to stack up nationally because they have a relatively low winning percentage. Uh, NYU might make a better national candidate, so why don't we give them a shot? That's the only thing I can think there. Yeah, I, I think I, for some reason NYU was got right behind Rochester last week, and so I kind of knew something would potentially happen if if Rochester lost that NYU would end, kind of flip the flip the script as it were and Oswego beating Plattsburgh forced Oswego to jump higher so that put Rochester even further behind the boat when NYU then jumped them NYU listen I've had problems with NYU all year I am not going to I hadn't heard I, I'm not going to lie about it they're out of conference was about a winning percentage of about 30% uh, I'm I'm making that number up but it wasn't pretty um, they certainly won under that. Don't get me wrong. I think Arcadia was their best record at the time. Um, some of those may have changed because some teams may have gotten uh, caught on fire. But they ended up playing far better in the UAA than they normally do, as, not counting last year when Hakeem Hicks completely changed the landscape of the UAA when he came in and played for UAA uh, for NYU. He wasn't there this year. You know, I talked to a number of NYU or uh, UAA coaches who said, "Listen." They are better than we thought they were, plain and simple. And NYU proved it in conference. Let's be honest. It's not like they got swept um, by anybody major. They didn't get beat up by anybody. The conference was tough this year. I think they ended up proving their mettle a little bit. Rochester played a harder out-of-conference schedule, I will well, admit. I, I'm, I'm, I've, that's the, well, that's and took the... losses is where I was going with that. Well, yeah, and they lost to Hobart, who's twelve and thirteen. They beat Keystone, who's six and nineteen. You know, they beat Vassar, who's twelve and fourteen. Um, this is, you know, th I, I would say that even though um, uh, even though NYU's non-conference scheduling is uh, maybe even legendary, um, I don't think that uh, this particular non-conference schedule uh, does a whole lot for uh, for U of R. Uh, Johnson well, and they State, lost Johnson on it. Is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the, some of the games that they won, I just named three, right? Here's another one. Johnson State was 10 and 17. Um, Johnson uh, State was fodder for a lot of teams this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they lost to uh, lost to Union, who was 13 and 12. I mean, it's just not uh, – it, and uh, uh, RIT, they played, and they were 12 and 13. They played them twice. It's not a great non-conference schedule for U of R either. I'm, I'm not uh, totally broken up about that. And No, the next and I was surprised I, next, they were regionally ranked. Yeah, the next tweet I get about uh, U of R's uh, non-conference schedule, or the series of emails I've gotten from a, a, a U of R dad, um, I'm going to go back with that information. Well, and here's the thing. They lost on it. And listen, Oswego beat them, too. and Oswego jumped them as a result of that. I was surprised they were regionally ranked. But the region Rochester and NYU got regionally ranked in the first place is they ended up playing very well in the conference. That's why they were in this equation. If they had... Let's say a prototypical year for NYU and what has been a more common year for Rochester in the last few years, certainly not Rochester's typical because you, you don't go that far back before they were pretty darn good in the conference, then they're, they're not even in this equation. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I just you know I I, I do think that some of the concerns over uh Rod, over Rochester's stronger schedule, I think that's kind of a I think that's kind of overblown. I don't believe that that was actually true no, this I year. Think, I know I, that's the storyline, but I don't think it's actually accurate. Well, here's the Plus, thing. as you said, they lost games, as you said. Yeah, and here's the thing: if they beat Oswego, their schedule looks better. But they lost to the teams that they, that 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 schedule looks better on if they win. You look at just the wins; it doesn't look as strong. Yeah, uh, I didn't really have a problem with Rochester being left off. It felt, you know, I mean, they had some good numbers, but I didn't. I mean, their 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 numbers and and NYU's SOS numbers were inflated by the UAA, but they also won in there, so at least they were at the conversation. At least Rochester was at the table. Let's be honest. Beginning of the season. Rochester didn't look like they'd even be in this conversation. Well, was, I mean, technically, was Rochester at the table? If, was it well, you the last one in? Yeah. Good. yeah. Well, they were at the table right as the door was being closed. Um, and, and yeah, thank you, Brian Van Haften, for basically telling us who the last four teams in were. NYU, by help. the way, you I need to send a bottle of champagne to Lynchburg. Yeah. yeah. Um, because was, I, you're not in if Randolph gets the upset. Yep. Or... Uh, uh, fruit basket to uh, or fruit basket Randolph for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> something along it. those lines. Hey, thanks, Randolph. Uh, you saved our our uh, bid, um, and that would have made the that would have made the bracket interesting too. Although still, either way, you have a team from Lynchburg, Virginia, in either way. So yeah, Lynchburg's not getting in. How about the fact both of, both from Lynchburg got, would have gotten in? That would have been that would have been kind of fun. That would have been. <clears throat> um, all right, so let's let me. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start on the women's side. Get the women done, and we'll go back to the men. Um, first and foremost, got a tweet a little while ago and hadn't had a chance to, to uh, answer it because we were talking to committee chair. said, not sure you covered it yet. I'm curious why George Fox women are not hosting despite being undefeated. And this comes down to the NCAA Division Three rule, and it comes down to money and geographics. And we talked to Bobby a little bit about this. Didn't get really anywhere I wanted to unless I well, did I find mean- it interesting that both Californias <laughs> – Ended up in Texas, but I'm wondering also if they felt it would have been too much of a behemoth to send George Fox into where Tyler and Trinity are. No, I don't I, know. I would never. I would. I would. I would have, have advocated it. for that at all. I. I would not have sent George Fox to Texas. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have been worse than what they did. What they did is okay. It's, I mean, Stevens point is his. Stevens point is historically good, but they're right. twenty and seven this year. So. Right. Um, I think that's a I think that's a reasonable place. I guess if you're going to send them somewhere, I'm actually not all that thrilled that they have to play that that bracket has to play the Tyler bracket in the uh, in the round of 16. I think that should be flopped out a little bit. But wait, say that one more time. That uh, that if say George Fox advances, they play Tyler in the round of 16. I oh, think they sure. should play the they should play the Oshkosh pod in the round of 16. That but, would have been a little more interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. It doesn't change. Uh, di- uh, travel at all right um exactly it's one of those free one of those free changes yeah exactly it's just a swap of positioning on the bracket than it is a, a positioning in life uh, and and physicality of where people are located yep um i feel bad for LaRoche. i said it on air though you never know a 24 and 3 though to be running into thomas moore um doesn't mean you can't pull off the upset but i thought maybe that would be fodder for a, another i keep saying fodder i gotta get that out of my head um, I thought that would be um, a grounds for a different type of team than LaRoche, but it's a good challenge. We'll see how LaRoche plays up to it. Um, uh, what was the one that jumped out at me on the women's side? I'm look- I thought it was on the left side. There was something that caught my attention. Nothing crazy, just like, oh, interesting. Um, actually, the Geneseo Florham game um, picks my – I think we got two programs going in different directions here compared to last year. 
Um, I don't know, just something that catches my attention there. I think um, I think Geneseo, by the way, heck of a story out of Geneseo. Yeah, absolutely. To start with to be in this tournament is outstanding. Um, I think Florham's playing a little smoke and mirrors here. Um, well, they're know. definitely – think of it like um, – you talk about teams in the pros, right, where the window's closed on these guys, right? Or this is this is where their window is closing. FDU Forum has kind of forced the window open for one more year, right? Um, them and uh, DePauw also, the two teams that uh, that clinched on Saturday, right? They're two teams that uh, they won the 2013 yeah. and the 2014 national championships, yep. and then both, uh, you know, would been would have been out if they hadn't won on Saturday. So yep. I think there's a couple of there's a couple of stories like that. So FDU's got one more shot at it here. And then NY, NYU basically back backing up into the tournament. Um, the problem yeah. was their their criteria was just too hard to ignore. I mean, we're right back in the same conversation we had on the men's side, but in a much yep. bigger scale. Um, I and listen, the last ten games don't is not a criteria in Division Three, or and NYU'd in be in further trouble. But I think their coach agreed with my assessment too. If they had lost against Brandeis, see ya. They wouldn't have made and it. And NYU's in a good pod. Actually, they're yeah. in a good position in general. Uh, yeah. You know, I probably I might favor them in that pod, although it's tough to win at Bowdoin, uh, yeah. even though it's not as tough to win at Bowdoin as it was, say, in 06 or so. True. Um, and then, you know, if it's if it's Rochester coming out on the other side, you know, that's a that's a program that you're familiar with anyway. You know, you've got uh, an opportunity to actually – as I'm doing my math right, does that get them to the final four or just to eight? That gets just them to the eight. eight. Yeah. Okay. So then there's Amherst. So, but uh, besides that, <laughs> that's a that's a chance to make a decent run. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. Hey, you know what? I I think we usually go through these things each individually, um, and we've only got about 20 minutes left, so I do want to do it quick. So let's just start in the upper left hand corner. We just kind of did the lower left, but we'll breeze through the lower left in a, in a minute. But let's just start in the upper left. Obviously, it's the pot of Thomas Moore, LaRoche, Guilford, Mount Union. Uh, I don't think there's any surprise here. I think Thomas Moore is the easy favorite coming out of here. Agreed. Uh, Lynchburg, Birmingham, Southern Maryville, Mary Washington. Fascinating little foursome here. Um, it depends on who's playing. I I don't know. I yeah. I, I can see any I combination. I don't know either. Uh, that's a um, you know Mary Washington not as much tournament tested as a program as they used to be, but Lynchburg certainly not. Birmingham Southern not. And for that matter, I mean Maryville hasn't been to the tournament on the women's side a whole lot. Well, they've been uh, not, the last not, few years, but they haven't but done not very deep. much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This but might be Maryville's best chance. Yeah, having the home four advantage, at least an opportunity to get out and get into the 16, sure. Yeah, but otherwise, I think that's a pick of a foursome there. Uh, Hope, Carnegie Mellon, Ohio Northern Denison, an unfortunate Great Lakes pod here. Um, I think Hope's got a lot to prove. Yeah, but I think Hope can handle this group. But I was going to say, uh, I also Northern think the other th I think the other three have a lot to prove, too. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, I, I mean, Carnegie Mellon doesn't deserve to be a four, uh, to be on the four line, as it were. So Dave, uh, and, and since Dave doesn't participate in the bracketing, because he's got to, you know, be, he's got to be smart in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I just have to put kids out the door in the morning. Uh, he's got to be uh, on, uh, on TV in the morning. Mm. Uh, so I was up pretty late uh, working with uh, Ryan Scott, not on this bracket, but uh, so all of the bracketology, well, bracketing terms, like the three line and the four line, right? Who among these, uh, who deserves to be cannon fodder, as it were, for a top seed? That's the team who's a number four. That is not Carnegie Mellon. They no. do not deserve to be in that position. And I, I would have, I, I'm sure in our mock bracket, we sent someone else to hope. Yeah, I, I, I probably sent La Roche, and I think I sent Greenville to uh, to to uh, Thomas Moore. 
something like the, that. The problem I have here is just uh, there's nobody else on that side who would, I would put up against Hope either. And, of course, all, all of them are going to have to go through Hope at some point if they want to have any chance of getting out of here. I just don't see anybody getting out of here but Hope. Um, then we got WashU, Greenville, I, Whitewater, and Bluffton. This is a, a little bit less typical WashU hosting. <laughs> it's true. Greenville's um, typical. The rest is not. This is, um, you know, and for... Uh, Boy, that Whitewater-Bluffton matchup is an interesting one to ponder, right? Bluffton's kind of breezed through against a, a, an easier conference. Whitewater's really had to battle its way through the WIAC and has to be uh, thankful it got into the tournament in the first place. Um, <clears throat> so it, that'll be a really interesting matchup of styles. Do we remember uh, how the Whitewater men got out of the tournament last year? Got out of the tournament? In a, oh, in yes. The first, in the first round against the HCAC champ, right? Good call, sir. Yeah, totally forgot about that. Um, See, the institutional knowledge that's going away here. No, that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll absorb it somehow. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, I forgot it was the HCAC uh, uh, champ on that one. Uh, I still like WashU here. Um, uh, rumor has it Nancy was w- worried they, they weren't going to host because they lost to Chicago. Um, I thought yeah. she was in pretty secure shape, but that's yeah, just Yeah, I think so, clearly. Uh, moving down, it's Amherst, Eastern Connecticut, Rowan, and New Paltz is being played at Rowan because Amherst can't host due to the men. Uh, Rowan, I think, is a scary team here. I think, again, at GP Gromacki and Amherst, they're always good. They're always prepared. But this is certainly a prime opportunity to knock the, a big team out early. Yeah, um, and Rowan's very, uh, very experienced, right? You know, uh, the the storyline that we keep talking about is the two grad students who start for them. That's that's a, a team that uh, you know started off the season hot, didn't really cool down either, right? They think they started ten and zero and finished uh, twenty two and five here, so uh, they have an opportunity. And like I said uh, on Twitter, and I think even on the website, I, I really thought Rowan had the criteria to host on their own accord and not just because Amherst was una- was unable to. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, moving down, let's see. Stevens, Old Westbury, SUNY Geneseo, and FDU Florham. We kind of just talked about that just a little bit. Stevens is a good team here. I think they're favored because they're at home. Otherwise, this might be very much a pick em too. I just kind of like the Geneseo story, so I'm riding it. Yeah, I would ride that, too. I'd have no problem riding that out to the Sweet 16. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then we get down to Bowdoin, Westfield, NYU, Lehman. We talked about that again. I do agree with you. I think NYU is a watch out for team. It's not like they lost because they were horrific at the end. They were losing because they were playing good teams. Well, and also they they had four games in a row on the road in the UAA, and those are tough games just in general, um, let alone on the road in the UAA. Um, let's see. You a Rochester pod? Yeah, thank you. Rochester, Johnson and Wales, Stockton and Clarkson. Um, if anything, this Rochester, Johnson and Wales game is going to be fun to watch. <laughs> Talk about just, different styles. I was just looking at my Rochester pod. It had Rochester, Ohio Northern, Moravian, and Regis. So okay, very different. Completely, completely different. <laughs> it, we did have Rochester. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's true. Um, but I, I, I can't see Rochester. I mean, Rochester's a strong team. Um, playing very darn very well, and when you play at the Palestra, it is an automatic advantage. Um, I and like Stockton a, a little a, bit. It's a long trip for Stockton. It's a long yeah. trip for Johnson and Wales. Um, you know, Clarkson. It's not as big a deal, but uh, that, I think that also also has. I think that also has a bit of a factor to do that as well. All right, upper right, uh, we have Scranton WPI Marymount Cabrini. This is an interesting one. 
um, only because you got a couple teams who are trying to reprove themselves. WPI and Marymount Cabrini trying to hold on to what has been great the last few years, and a Scranton team who has absolutely come alive under uh, Trevor Woodruff. Um, I and by the way, it is tough to win at Scranton. I had uh, I had WPI in this pot as well. Not that they're going to spend the whole time talking about who I had. Um, but I tried to keep Marymount away from uh, – tried to have them not in the same pod as another Mid-Atlantic team. Um, I know the women did not put nearly as much focus on that as the men did, and I understand the women worked another three and a half hours beyond what the men did. So At least. Uh, um, so it is what it is there. Uh, I, yeah, I think Scranton is uh, – Scranton's primed to take that, and – I wouldn't have any problem with uh, them in the round of 16 against any of those other four teams. And in all honesty, I mean, the bottom half of the bracket, uh, I would, unless you, unless they face off against Tufts, I would favor Scranton for sure. No doubt against anybody else. Um, I know I skipped ahead. It's all right. Muhlenberg, St. John Fisher, St. Joseph's, Maine, and Christopher Newport. Um, I'm Muhlenberg's, I think, a sneaky team. I really do. Yeah, um, you know, I've, uh, I, I haven't, I know you and I have not agreed, um, but that's no. okay. Uh, you, you have a, a, a higher opinion of Muhlenberg than I have, I think, just because when I look at them, it's because they lost to McDaniel or something like that. It's so because I, always I have see that Ron question. Roan a few times a year. I got to watch myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, no, I, I, yeah. Well, you know, you, you do what you got to do there. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, kid. I kid. So, yeah, St. John Fisher, um, given new life, obviously that helps. Christopher Newport, I still, you know, they didn't play anybody of regionally ranked consequence, at least outside of the uh, outside of the CAC. Uh, so for them to get uh, St. Joe's uh, get their feet wet against the Monks is a is a good start. Maybe they have an opportunity to come through and win that. But um, I like the I think I like the winner of the 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 top half of that pod, Muhlenberg <laughs> St. John Fisher versus the uh, winner of the other half. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, though I, I, Christopher Newport could surprise. I, I just don't know. I, I think St. Joseph's might win that just because no one really understands. And St. Joseph's playing up against Johnson and Wells. That Christopher Newport's not going to surprise him necessarily. Scary thing about Christopher Newport, they're going to be around for a few years as they continue to learn this offense. We're going to be talking about the captains for a long time to come. Well, the CAC should continue to be interesting then. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great conference over the next few years. Montclair State, SUNY Poly, Albright, and oh, Husson. I have oh. a CAC note, sorry. If you don't mind one second. Well, the, right after the selection show, oh, yeah, the, I saw that. the CAC tweeted out, oh, record for most CAC teams in the tournament. I said, yes, record, tied. Tied. 1996. I vividly remember, remember oh, that. Oh, I know. Your alma mater was in the women's NCAA tournament. and I, that, was, ho- I was PA announcing that game. Uh, <laughs> it was, was a... And by the way, my team was in their road jerseys because Salisbury was supposed to put, be the host. They're the higher seed, and they forgot to put their hosting papers in. Perfect. Goucher, Good old days. Goucher old was days. in their blues. It was really weird. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, let's see. So Montclair State, SUNY Poly, Albright, and Husson. Um, listen, Montclair is just screams at me here, but Albright is the one I think can fly under the radar a little bit here and surprise. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but I do like that Montclair has really kind of put it together over the course of the last month or so, right? Yes. They were, you, we, we were, uh, at least from a top 25 standpoint, we were counting them out uh, somewhere Agreed. in January. And then they, uh, they came back, put it together, won the conference title. Um, and, you know, it's a program at least that has some institutional experience. They are playing at home. 
you know, uh, Karen Harvey's going to know exactly what uh, needs to be done and is going to get that uh, along to her kids. And a lot of them, you know, are people who may not have played as much in previous tournament runs, but they know the drill. So that's certainly helpful, too. Uh, wrapping up the women's side, we'll, we'll, I'm going to get Pat's final four picks, believe it or not, before we go to the men's side, but we're still moving our way down. Yeah, throwing that curveball nice. for you. Okay. Uh, Tufts, Regis, uh, University of New England, and Moravian. This is being hosted at New, at New England because Tufts cannot. Um, Moravian's kind of that sneak sleeper team that's gotten in as an at-large with a really gaudy SOS. Um, not that they're not good. I'm just explaining why they're in. Regis is just dancing in the streets because Montclair State isn't uh, who they face. Of course, <laughs> they, 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 they face the Tufts. And wouldn't um, they rather face Montclair State this year? Yeah, it might be this year. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, might be. Uh, I, I can't imagine Tufts doesn't come out of this. I mean, I suppose so, but um, you know, I do like that University of New England at least went out and tried to schedule itself a little bit better this year. Um, you know, the game against Whitewater played in Puerto Rico, Orlando, I don't know, sometime in December, kind of sticks uh, sticks out at me as a uh, an opportunity at least for them. If they can go back and kind of channel that uh, and uh, remember what that uh, kind of competition was like, maybe they have an opportunity here. And it's at home, so that certainly helps them. Uh, Tufts, does, Tufts plays really well at home. Uh, Tufts home is not the bandbox that it used to be, right? They... Uh, they reoriented yeah. Cousins Gym, right? I think I said that right. You are correct. Um, uh, in order to make it actually 94 feet. Uh, so it's not as much of a home floor advantage there as it used to be, but uh, Tufts certainly plays well at home. Um, but I, I think that uh, I think I, mm, uh, uh, I'm going to try not to think about University of New England versus Moravian for the moment. Uh, and pretend that that's just going to go by chalk um, and think about Tufts and University of New England uh, because – UNE and Moravian, I don't know what to make of that game either. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Uh, George Fox, St. Norbert, Wisconsin, Stevens Point, DePaul. George Fox at least getting to go to play at Stevens Point. Um, they haven't been there since whatever year that was, right? Didn't they? Um, I don't think they made it that year, did they? Yeah, did, um, not at the Final Four. They played That's a round of eight games. Yeah, but I was saying at least they get there. I was making the ref Final Four reference. Oh yeah, they did not get out of that, didn't they? They no. blew a lead down the stretch, right? Yeah, they did. We had a we had a broadcast crew there, if I remember correctly. I think you're right. Um, so George I like Fox. George Fox there. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine now. Certainly, I think Shirley Egner is going to make it interesting because well, it's Shirley Egner and it's at her home gym. Uh, but I think George Fox comes out of this. It's in Berg. It's not in Quant. Touche. Um, is in Berg, I assume. Texas Tyler, uh, Santa Cruz versus Claremont Scripps, Trinity. The other side of this interesting quad of eight. Tyler. Um, Texas Tyler, did I say something else? Nope, I'm just giving you my pick. Oh, you're picking Tyler. Um, Tricky. You know what? I think the most fascinating games, I mean, Claremont, Mud Scripps, Trinity, and I've seen Trinity in action. Granted, they don't have their, their top player, which has changed this team dramatically, but I think they're still good. I also think Claremont, Mud Scripps might be better than people realize. I think Texas Tyler has a bigger battle on their hands than they think they do. I don't think they've been tested as much as the other teams. I don't disagree with your pick. I just don't – I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler goes down this weekend. I Yeah, I mean, I if I were picking a disappointment, it would be really hard for me to pick them to disappoint this week uh, okay. because I think that they should not have a trouble with this pod. And then the next game, assuming it's against George Fox, there's no way that we would favor them anyway, I don't think. so. No, and that's I, right, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think they're just kind of in a, a – a, not quite a no-win situation, but I don't think they can prove anything to us that we don't already believe about UT Tyler. So, you know, um, as he trails off uncomfortably, waiting for Dave to talk. 
<laughs> we'll move down to the Wisconsin pod. Uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh versus Wisconsin Superior versus Wisconsin Wartburg versus Wis- I'm sorry. Um, Oshkosh versus Superior Wartburg versus Wisconsin Lutheran. And there's no hyphen between Wisconsin and Lutheran people. It's not the University <laughs> yeah, of Wisconsin and Lutheran. Um, I like the fact that Wisconsin Superior got out of the WIAC, wanted to find something easier. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You are going to play the WIAC champ whether you like it or not. What's what's the saying? I got out and they just pull me back in. Tagging me back in. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's really... Five YAC schools in this uh, in this bracket is there not? Or at least there's five 2015 YAC schools in this bracket. Um, I think uh, that'd be interesting actually. If if Warburg can channel any of that December, um, that would be helpful. Uh, you know, Warburg has seen Oshkosh before, uh, assuming they get past Wisconsin Lutheran, which is not a safe assumption. Um, and then uh, I think Oshkosh over Superior, and then I suspect Oshkosh at home against yeah. Warburg, but. Listen, you know. Warburg, you know, those top 10 wins earlier in the season and how they played at certain points makes them a scary team, but I don't know if they can duplicate that. Uh, I do like Oshkosh here. I think they're a dangerous squad. Um, poof. He's always got his, especially at home, Brad Fisher's you, got that squad ready to go. You don't want to meet him on the mean streets of Oshkosh, Wisconsin? No, no I don't. They're actually especially are. if it's snowing. Those are things. Um, and then the lower right-hand corner, St. Thomas, Loris, uh, River Falls, and Wheaton. Obviously, this is being played at River Falls because St. Thomas cannot host it. By the way, if you're ever looking at a bracket trying to figure out wh- how I know that, it's because the top team of each four is usually the host, and if it's a star next to any of those other teams, that's the shift in the host. Um, oh, on our bracket, there's no asterisks, of course. Oh, it just yes. says at. But, um the uh, of course the football committee managed to screw that up this year, um, so it's not as reliable as you would like it to be. But yes, that's the way it should be read. Um, so St. Thomas makes a short trip. That's just about thirty miles or so. I don't know if they'll go back and sleep in their own beds that night or whatever uh, if they beat Loris in a battle of Catholic schools. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> and then River Falls against Wheaton is is pretty interesting. You know, River Falls too. Is this the final year of the gymnasium, or is there one more year? They've got I this, don't remember. They've got this little unimpressive, I'm going to say crappy, but it's not a great gymnasium. <laughs> it's a, okay. It seats about 1,100 or so on a nice day, um, and it's not super fan-friendly. Uh, it's just a tiny little thing. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just trying to draw comparisons. Um, <laughs> but I think River Falls obviously has had a fantastic year, right? Uh, we wrote about them earlier in the season about how they've kind of retooled around uh, a couple of players, uh, got in a transfer who's very helpful, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, River Falls or Wheaton against St. Thomas, I, I think, has uh, got a good chance to win. Uh, and Wheaton, boy, we talked about how inconsistent uh, the Wheaton women have been. So. It, it's uh, it's kind of a toss up out of that uh, out of that final game in the bottom right corner of your bracket. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, to just because I know JJ Nekloff is is talking, I'll just say that or, or listening into the show. Fascinating, Pat. Fascinating. Fascinating. Apparently, I've gotten that stuck in my head recently. Okay. Um, all right, to, uh, quickly before because uh, I, I don't want to go too pa- far past seven o'clock here on me uh, tonight. Um, your final Thomas four. Thomas Moore Amherst. Yep. Uh, Scranton, 
and uh, George Fox. I don't know. It's it's easy to pick chalk in the women's bracket because often we end up with chalk in the women's bracket. I'm going to go uh, two against you off my initial reactions. I may change them by the end of the week. But Thomas Moore Amherst, I agree. I'm going to go Tufts, and I'm going to go Oshkosh. George Fox is still a young team. They're surprised they're even undefeated at this point. I'm going to I'm going to expect they go down. Uh, in the second weekend, if they don't fe- face Oshkosh, Oshkosh will take them out. Well, that could happen. All right, let's jump to the men's side of things. Uh, we'll go through the men's bracket and wrap this all up, folks, if you're kind of curious. And then, believe it or not, we'll be back on the air uh, tonight. I'm just kidding. Thursday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time. That can't be true. I have to leave in a half hour. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's roll. Upper left-hand side, Benedictine got the bye, and we'll face Texas Luther and Hardin-Simmons. We heard Brian Van Haften basically say the NCAA said, one of them is coming out of Texas, and they're flying to a major airport. Don't get cute with it. And I suspect the major airport is simply because they don't want them traveling all day long. They want a simple direct flight. Well, and in all honesty, uh, when, uh, when, when we started the bracketing in our mock bracket last night, uh, that was the first thing I saw that Ryan Scott had jotted out. It's like, yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think Van Haften mentioned, too, there's just not a lot of teams in the bracket in that part of the country. So yeah. it was helpful to kind of still give Benedictine the, first of all, the hosting that it deserved. Secondly, yeah. uh, a first round buy that they certainly deserve to be considered for and still bring two teams into that part of the country. to. But try he to did say that they debated about doing it. They were going to go St. Thomas until St. Thomas lost in their conference title game. And I, again, don't have a problem with that. And, again, it's about getting the Texas team to the next opponent as quickly as you can, direct flight to a major airport instead of hop, skipping, and jumping through some other airports and losing time. You don't get to practice. You don't get to settle in. Uh, I like the decision. It's a smart one flying them through O'Hare. Lots of flights to MSP or O'Hare, so that would have worked out either way. uh, I know you can fly southwest into MSP if you have to. I mean, into... uh, Midway, if you have to. Right. Yeah. Granted, you'd rather fly into O'Hare to get to Naperville now because of the the uh, because of the Love Amendment, right, being rescinded. Yes. Exactly. St- well done. I, I can't well done. get the travel stuff out of my it head. It is the Love Amendment, and you are correct. <laughs> um, Ohio, and don't ask us. We're not going to the Love Amendment. Um, Ohio Wesley and Pitt Greensburg, Lynchburg and Scranton. I, the Lynchburg Scranton game is just it's juicy. I love well, Lynchburg, it. Lynchburg not having been in the tournament since what 1979. Something you are like correct, that? sir. Yes. 79. Yeah. I remember watching the ODAC championship game. That was just yesterday, right? Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been a while. If, hey, by the way, JJ, I know you're listening. Committee members, there is clearly some momentum here, buddy. <laughs> you are. I don't know if Sundays are going to mo- survive much longer. Oh, and there's well, Sundays at three o'clock is bad too. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Uh, the yeah. anyway, uh, there's another. Southern- Birmingham Southern hosting a double header on Sunday that didn't start until one Central yeah. Time. That's oh, yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, a- I, I, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy sitting on a Sunday watching a game, but I think the committees have had enough. But we'll, well see. Well, we had we went through and counted, right? We had twenty championship games yeah, on 20. Sunday. Twelve men, eight women. That's I remember when Centennial used to do it. Now they're no longer doing it. But you know, right, that's true. Yeah. Well, so. well, and I think we talked about it. Back in the day, too, I think Centennial women lost uh, an at-large possibility because a team lost on Sunday afternoon after too many things had been kind of set in motion. Well, and we heard from the committee; they were men's committee. They were at their 19th pick, waiting for the ODAC <laughs> game to finish. They yeah. had already done their work. Yeah. Um. So that's a you know that's an interesting kind of breakout to to for people to understand. I think you can yep. end up hurting yourself. Lynchburg was going to get in. 
But in other scenarios, as you talked about, you're right. I think Centennial ended up hurting them themselves that year. Anyway, back on task, Ohio Wesleyan versus Pitt-Greensburg, Lynchburg versus Scranton. Um, listen, Ohio Wesleyan is tough to beat in Delaware, plain and simple. Um, no, but this game is in Ohio, though, so it'd be okay. Oh, yeah, true. Delaware, Ohio is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know. Uh, I can't go anywhere but Ohio Wesleyan here, but that Lynchburg-Scranton matchup, whoever wins that, I think is going to have an interesting matchup with Ohio Wesleyan. Either it's going to be Scranton, who's very similar to Ohio Wesleyan, or Lynchburg, who's going to be a little bit different. And and that makes for an intriguing second game. I mean, you know, this is the time of year where you can have one kid just kind of light fire and uh, and carry a team for a while. And uh, from what I've seen of uh, Brandon Boken, that's certainly a guy who's got a possibility to do that. So uh, you never uh, you never know, though. I think this is one of the the most balanced uh, pods of the group. I mean, not maybe not one to four, but one to three. This is uh, three very interesting teams here. Yeah, I, I, I like it. Uh, that's kind of a cool little little grouping there. Uh, then we got St. Norbert and Northwestern versus, and then the uh, North Central versus St. Olaf, and nothing against anybody here, but I think this is going to end up being North Central versus St. Norbert, and that, that's just one I've been kind of giddy to see. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to tell Northwestern they don't need to show up. They didn't need I'm to show up last that. year. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but Northwestern's not the same team as last year, plain and yeah. simple. I get that, but you know the, the nice thing is that um, they proved it last year, right? Morrisville State's proven it a couple times. Teams from the bottom conferences actually can win in the mm-hmm. Division Three men's basketball bracket, and that's pretty awesome. Yes, completely agree with you. But I, I agree. This is Saint. This is Saint Norbert versus North Central. That's how it's lined up. Um, you know, Saint Norbert again. Uh, Two Look. years in a row, they graduate four of their starters, come back and rebuild, and just run, 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 run the table. It's not fair. <laughs> I kind of wait for you know reality to strike, and maybe it does in the second round, but you know, what, maybe it doesn't. What what is uh what is Coach Gresh not completely rebuilt? I mean, there are coaches out there dying to have his recruiting ability. Does he have four seniors starting this year too? I think he might. Gosh. <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, I, I honestly I'm going to lean towards North Central there just because they've been so good. But St. Norbert at their place is going to be tough. Yep, uh, I can't. I can't discount that at all. Uh, John Carroll uh, versus St. Vincent. This is that pod we talked to, to Brian about Alma versus ben Dennison. I have a feeling that's just, just a knowing mis- that's just an error. It, yeah, I just listening happens, to Brian, I'm not it. sure he's convinced. He knows why that ended yeah. up there. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling in all the changes, they didn't spot this one, and it got it snuck through. That and happens. trust me, it happens. I'm not. I'm going to give him a pass on this one because. It's honestly flipping a coin in the grand scheme of things. But St. Vincent's not going to be happy. I mean, how no. St. Vincent literally came to Las Vegas begging for respect, right? Guess from, what? From Who's us at right? the D3Hoops.com Classic. They did respect. not get it here. They got maybe some respect from us, but they got screwed by the committee here, in all honesty. If They're, if they win this game, well, though, Dave, beautiful. The, the, the pack has never won an NCAA tournament game in, in Division Three playoff history in men's basketball. The pack is 0-10. I know. And they're they're getting. I resisted using that on the air earlier today. They're getting. They are getting screwed. Um, we'll see how. But we got a nice Catholic versus Catholic matchup. There you go. In the first round again. Yeah. Uh, luckily it's not Good Friday. Um, uh, no, but it is a Friday, so there better be uh, meatless options at the. Yeah, uh, we'll talk to Chris Wessler about that. Um, so obviously, uh, John Carroll. This will be fun to watch. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, Alma. Alma might be the the surprise here. John Carroll's a good team. They've been they've been struggling a little bit late here. It's just how well Elma's played, quiet a little bit quietly that they, they might surprise. Um, moving Are down, we, Amherst, you and I, you huh? and I doing final four picks on this one too. If you want to, 
Okay. Well, I was just going to tweet that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to do it. Oh, well. Um, let's keep it going because Pat and I do want to get elsewhere, like dinner. <laughs> um, I barely had, I didn't even have lunch today. Um, barely had breakfast. John Care. Oh, we did that. Amherst Husson, WPI Cortland. <clears throat> it's, oof, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, listen, I'm not buying in that Amherst is as good as two years ago. I'm thinking this is kind of an Amherst like last year. The advantage is they get to host, which gives them an advantage at Lafrac. Um, yeah, I think, I don't think, I don't see anybody uh, in this group beating them. Uh, WPI I guess is WPI the only, I can, but yeah, exactly. They've been kind of inconsistent too. So, yep, that, exactly. but so is Amherst. Got so the there we are. Read. Yep. Got the same read. Susquehanna, Old Westbury, Babson, Hartwick, Susquehanna, perfectly located in PA to be able to, to help, uh, to, to help bracket, basically. Um, I think Babson's the one that needs to prove something here. And I'm going to go with Babson coming out of here. Nothing in Susquehanna. They've got some terrific inside play, especially with... Um, I just forgot his name. I was going to say Hillary, but I'm not positive that's his name. Um, he played but, for Catholic in 01. Yeah, that's why I resisted <laughs> the urge to continue mentioning his name. Um, but I have a feeling Babson is finally figured their team out. They had a bunch of changes, and and I think they're they're dangerous here. Um, you know, it is going to be a little bit of a contrast of styles, at least between the two top scorers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Flannery being a guy who's going to drive to the basket relentlessly. Uh, you know. Josh Miller, who's just had a fantastic season, uh, especially of late, shooting from the outside for Susquehanna, almost brought Susquehanna back. They were down nine in the final minute uh, in the landmark championship game against Catholic, and he scored like 12 points in the last yep. 60 seconds. It was really, really ridiculous. And he's good. I mean, he's good. And he, and he doesn't suck, so that's yeah, good. Uh, but but think- yeah, that's going to be the contrast, I think. But yeah. the nice thing, though, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know you're trying to say something. I just wanted to point out that um, when you're an outside shooter, sometimes it's a little tough to go on the road. When you're a guy who pounds it inside and and drives it to the basket like Joey Flannery is, I don't think that uh, shooting backdrop matters a whole lot. No, absolutely agree with you. Um, so I think watch out for Babson coming out of here. Plattsburgh, Fitchburg, uh, Trinity of Connecticut, and Johnson and Wales. That Trinity Johnson and Wales game just makes me a chuckle. Um, Was it uh, our our uh, our future? Uh, D3Hoops.com managing editor Gordon Mann, yes. who's a Trinity grad, said this yes. game could either be 51 to 38 or 110 to 80. Yeah, and I kind of alluded to that statement on the air on, on D- NCA. I said, yeah. whichever defense ends up deciding this one. If it's yeah. Trinity's defense, it's low scoring. If it's Johnson and, and Wales' defense, uh, this thing's going top notch. Uh, it's going to be yeah. sick. I favor Johnson and Wales in that game. I, believe um, it or not, I do too. And I think the Johnson and Wales Plattsburgh game is going to be really interesting. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, Plattsburgh has the advantage of being home, but I don't think that's an advantage to get out of here. We'll see how that that plays out. Tufts, Southern Vermont, Franklin Marshall, Skidmore, uh, all being played at Tufts. Um, if anything, Skidmore is coming in just banged up, beat up, has not yeah. had a great season. Have been, they'll tell you it's been a disappointing season. Um, I think Franklin and Marshall needs to prove something, and I think they do win against Skidmore. I, Tufts, I cannot get a read on this year. Well, and F and M's the only one with real significant tournament experience, right? True. Uh, well, Tufts technically Skidmore, but they're so banged up, maybe not. Right. I, I don't think there's enough experience there to help them. Uh, um, you know, the team that we saw limp out of Las Vegas never really quite put it together. Uh, and Showed signs. The dungeon and didn't come back. So. Yeah. That's um, that's that's hurt. That's hurting, obviously. Southern Vermont. I mean, they could surprise too, right? I mean, you've uh, at least you gave them some games at uh, the uh, Hoopsville Classic, um, but they were not in the NCAA tournament last year, famously. 
Um, and Tufts, you know, again, they are playing at home and they play in the NESCAC, which is generally tough, obviously, in terms of a test, but it's not the same as playing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm not really sure who comes out of there. I I'm leaning towards Tufts because it's their home gym. Um, and when you talked about this bracket earlier in the show, I don't know who comes out of it either. Um, and it will be the team that has the most questions. I actually would not be all that surprised to see Babson come out. We didn't we didn't favor them last year, or at least I don't think anybody favored them last year, but I might now, even though they're kind of buried in the middle of the bracket. Yeah, this one's definitely going to have the most question marks when they get to Am Even if it's Amherst, it's going to be question marks when you get to Salem, plain and simple. Yeah, because the one thing they have is they have Dave Hickson, but... That's it. Yeah, well, that's oh. it. I mean, it's no, not yet, but it's in terms of experience. Yeah, thank that's you. It. That's what I'm getting at. Thank <laughs> you. That's exactly I'm, what I'm getting at. I'm here to protect you from yourself after thank you. hour I, 12 of broadcasting. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Upper right. Uh, Augustana Upper versus Westminster. Hope versus Mount St. Joseph's. Um, Augustana. Yeah, Augustana. Nothing against Hope, but they, they haven't driven a lot of confidence with me in the last few weeks. Well, I mean, um, and either way, and even it's at if, Rock Island. Yeah, exactly. Even if Hope was coming in strong, again, uh, Rock Island's a tough place to play. Augustana is certainly tested too. St. Thomas will tell you it's very difficult to get out of there alive, alive and they are able to do it. But they did, yeah. Yeah. Emory versus Covenant, Lagrange versus Birmingham Southern, and what I am now calling the Lagrange. I played everybody pod. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, there's got to be some Panther reference, but I, I can't make it right now. So. Uh, because they played everybody in the spot. <laughs> so they, you had no choice but a, a rematch. Uh, so they went with whatever they could here. Uh, Emory, obviously, at home, I think is a favorite. Um, LaGrange is certainly going to be excited to play. Birmingham Southern has something to prove. Covenant is just thrilled to be there. Um, I can't go against Emory because I just think the experience of playing in the UAA is going to overwhelm here. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, tournament's different, but then again, I think we probably said that about Emory two years ago, and not only did they win a game at home, then they went and won a game on the road, yep. uh, right? They knocked out uh, Stevens Point, or did they uh, knock somebody else out at no, Stevens Point? No, they knocked somebody else out st at Stevens Point and played yeah. Stevens Point. Right. So they've got, you know, as, as much as you discount that the UAA experience, you know, you don't play back-to-back -back nights. No. Um, that doesn't help them, but you know, playing quality teams like you generally right. do in the UAA does help. Well, them. in tough games down to the end, they'll be they're, they'll be comfortable. Uh, St. Thomas versus Central and Elmers versus Wisconsin Oshkosh. This this felt talking to Brian. This was just unavoidable. Um, Central's going to get the top dog. Being considering what they did to get in the tournament in the first yeah, place, they were the five Elmers, seed. Out, they were the five seed in the Iowa Conference tournament. Yeah. they're definitely a, they're definitely on the four line in a pod. They they, uh, they won the for the first time they won a road game in the conference tournament, and for the first time in the conference tournament, somebody won winning three road games. So oh, I mean, it was a it was a weird year, but uh, uh, I Elmer's faltered down you know late in the season that I think kind of put them into this position here. Uh, I can't go against the Tommies at home, and I know they are ticked off after losing the uh, conference tournament game just the other night. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, I could see that, um, and especially after the way they got bounced out of the tournament last year, too. Yeah. So they've got uh, double reason to be uh, fired up coming in. And yeah. you know that with the uh, with the psych prof as the uh, as the head coach, they'll certainly be motivated. <laughs> You're right. Um, I got a I got a nice email from uh, John Baines this morning um, saying that it's only seemed appropriate that. Uh, both Pat Coleman's would be retiring at the same time because uh, <laughs> Elmhurst Pat Coleman is yeah. a senior. Uh, so I think I know where I'm going to be this weekend. Yeah, sounds um, familiar. <laughs> plus, it's a short trip. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's uh, it, it's it's a it's a it's a cost containment thing. I have to stay within 500 miles. <laughs> I have to stay within 10 miles. I was going to say uh, 500. 
<laughs> Stay within 15 miles. Um, so, yeah, Elmer, the big part, the, the thing that sticks out on, on Elmer, obviously, is losing to Illinois Wesleyan. Um, so, you know, them getting into the tournament, they have to be just happy that they, happy they got out. Um, because, uh, as again, as you said, things didn't work out super well for them down the stretch. Um, but I do like them against Oshkosh here in the first round. It will be interesting to see what that looks like uh, against presumably the Tommies in the second round. Yeah, I agree with you. Whitworth, the obviously obvious buy uh, with the uh, geographic location. Chapman heading up to Whitman. Whitman, congratulations on making your first NCAA tournament, by the way. Finally, they finally got in. They finally uh, got I th- in. I think hashtag obvious buy should have been uh, should have been used. Um, Probably true, uh, especially if we don't get to use it anymore after this. Yeah, this might be it. Uh, I think it's going to be a wit-wit um, battle, and, uh, and hats off to my colleague uh, Will for sneaking that into the broadcast today. Yep, but um, uh, you know Chapman's got that hot freshman. Who knows? It's true. You know that's a good point. That is, that is almost everything I know about Chapman right there. No, you got a good point there, um, <laughs> and at least we'll be able to watch it for free. <laughs> that is, um, and yeah. And it'll be on Thursday night at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. It'll be I'll great. get to Look finish Hoopsville and tune in. Um, You'll be throwing to the Whitman broadcast. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but I just don't see any reason Whitworth doesn't come out of here. Whitman has beaten Whitworth, but it's never been at Whitworth. Yeah, yes, it's, it's a perfect time for the fr- whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christopher Newport, Lycoming, um, Brooklyn, NYU. Lycoming doing the Mac Commonwealth uh, dance. Hey, I'm going to be fourth or fifth and go win the automatic bid and screw all the rest of you. <laughs> and that's all again how you get on the four line against the number one. Exactly. Uh, this but, is down at Christopher Newport too, by the way. Um, Who? Uh, I like that. I like that pod. Um, I do. Each of those teams. Here's um, a little measure of respect for Christopher Newport, but also just kind of the realities of the bracket. Christopher Newport is way out there. Um, it's actually tough to get. Teams, you can get a lot of teams to the western side of um, of what's that state, Virginia, the point I used to live in. Um, but uh, Christopher Newport is like another five miles, yeah. five hours, excuse me, east of someone like Roanoke or Lynchburg. So yeah. uh, it's a little tough to get teams there. Um, we kind of figured that out every time we try to we try to uh, we try to bracket around them. Basically, uh, but this is a, can, they're 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 even further away than Mary Washington. I mean, they're they're tough. Yeah, this is a good uh, this is a good grouping though. Um, yeah, and it was it. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, somebody or else. even. <laughs> I know what it is. It's somebody else. It was Gordon, about, I think. Oh yeah, about that uh, Brooklyn and NYU being matched up in the first round. These are the type of teams that NYU should play in non-conference yeah. action. Yeah, better in your area. And then the other comment on top of that was um, uh, uh, NYU's head coach playing his alma mater. Ah, that is true. Oh, and Pat, uh, JJ corrects us. Roanoke's four hours from Christopher Newport. Oh, just four. I guess it depends on how you drive. Um, <laughs> We're punchy. Um, You're punchy. Your face is punchy. I can't Sorry. imagine Christopher Newport can't come out of here. The the, the where they play is tough to win at. Uh, Lie Cummings going to get that game. That's very much similar like Hopkins a couple years ago who got Virginia Wesleyan in the first round. Same deal. No chance of making the tournament unless they had won. So. Um, and NYU's got to prove themselves, and so does Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn feels like they haven't lived up to their expectations this year. So you know, uh, the nice thing is all of the distractions should be gone, yep. right? I mean, you're nowhere near New York City. Yep. Uh, you know, welcome to the Tidewater area. Yep. Go play on a pretty. I would assume probably going to be a pretty quiet, neutral floor at least for the first yep. three quarters of the game. But the CNU fans will show up because it's been a little while since. 
the Freeman Center. I don't even remember what it was called Freeman there for Center, a second. Very good, sir. Has had a uh, has, has had something like this to uh, to root for with a team and, like this. And if you get it, go up the street to to Williamsburg and then take in a little American history while you're there. Um, okay. Which is I, I'm I'm thinking about going to Christopher Newport this weekend, but there's a couple others that have popped up that have, made, have started to change my mind. Um, Stockton, Keene State, Salisbury, Middlebury. Um, Middlebury. Yeah, Middlebury's the Cinderella here. Yep. Well, Salisbury's, but they're not. They're on the three line. You see that? Yeah, they are. Salisbury's the um, the better than people realize, but still need to prove something. Team Keene State's clearly the four. Does that have? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Stockton getting some respect here. Yep. I don't know if Stockton holds court. Well, I mean, they will in the first round. Um, yes, I don't mean for the weekend. I apologize. Yeah. Um, I think it's a free-for-all in the second round. Yeah, I don't even know who wins the Salisbury-Middlebury. You can game. make an argument for who, for either side on Salisbury-Middlebury. You can make an argument for whoever that win against Stockton. You, it, this is wide open. This is one of those games I love. I, I love when the uh, the neutral site allows the committee to bring together teams that are more than 500 miles apart because they can eat in the middle. So Middlebury versus Salisbury, you know, that would be a great uh, men's lacrosse game. But I have yes. not given I've not given any thought to it whatsoever in the sport of men's basketball. Wonderfully, in the game of men's across, we'd never get to see it until the championship game. Yeah. Speaking of, do you want me to go uh, down that road too? Uh, it's six seventeen. I have to walk out the door no, to go somewhere I'm in thirteen completely minutes. Completely kidding. We don't want to get me on a tangent with men's across and how horrible. Not to get off on a rant is. here. That bracket's another conversation. You think you think men and women's brackets in the past have been bad? That is um, not the. That is not the. C word I thought you were going to say about that bracket. It begins with cluster and it ends mm-hmm. with something that rhymes with cluck. Mm-hmm. That's about where I'm at. Um, Marietta versus Gwen and Mercy. Oswego versus Delaware Valley. Marietta. Okay, just because I love the Geneseo story on the women's side, I do love the Gwen and Mercy story on the men's side. Yeah, I hate that they ran into Maryville, Marietta as a result of this, though. Or um, Mariettaville. I Yeah, I can't go against Marietta. I think Oswego versus Delaware is beautiful. Um, yeah, it'd be an interesting matchup. I think Oswego uh, State has, has has the better resume and should be the the two here. Absolutely uh, agree. But yeah, um, but you know Delaware Valley's representative representative. Yep. I think they'll do well. And Gwinnett Mercy is going to be probably one of the best four lines in the uh, oh, in the bracket as well. I agree with you. Completely agree. Uh, just because uh, JJ's alma mater is Marietta, I'm going to go with Gwinnett Mercy. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I can't go against Marietta. They're just too good. Um, certainly a surprise could happen out of here, but I, I think Marietta holds court. Uh, I think especially Marietta at home. That's uh, They're going to pack tough. that place. They sold out the championship game against John Carroll in like 17 minutes. That's amazing. Uh, in the OAC. Uh, I think they will, even though it's sometimes tough to get people to pay full price, NCAA sticker price, um, for these first-round games, I think that they will not hurt for uh, people to play in front of. Yeah. And these other teams are all coming from far away, too. Yeah. Uh, Catholic Endicott, Worcester, Lancaster, Bible. Uh, oh, let me start totally the... Catholic. Huh? Totally Catholic. Yeah. I, Right. Uh, I want to start the. <laughs> I know you were going to say that. I've not been the. Uh, I, I have not been a very good uh, graduate of my alma mater. I I've, I almost never picked them. Um, and of course, the bottom team. The bottom. I one love is that really bottom interesting. game. I, I was. Lo- I love that bottom game. I liked Worcester coming to Catholic. It's something that I think that we put in our projection. Um, and Lancaster Bible could go all sorts of places because they're centrally located in Pennsylvania. So here we've got. 
you know, the winningest team of this season versus one of the winningest programs of all time. We've got Zach Filson, who's been a head coach for five minutes uh, against Steve Moore, who's been a head coach for, I don't know, something like in five decades. Um, that's just going to be a, a fantastic game. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, if Worcester fans travel like Worcester fans have traveled, um, they could put some people in the Dufour Center for that game. I agree. Uh, and Lancaster Bible hopefully gets uh, their travel. people on the bus and comes down US 15 to get to D.C. to see that game because that'll be uh, that'll be real interesting. Hours before the game, uh, the semifinal game uh, in the NEAC on Saturday, they had people lined up around the building to get in. They they got some. That's people. a home game, though. So it is. But I'm saying it just shows that. I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just students. It was neighborhood. It was the you know the neighbors. I think I think they're going to get a good traveling group. I love that because I think that's the perfect game for Lancaster Bible, a Worcester squad who perennially is a tough team who isn't as good this year, but still good. Lancaster Bible who needs to, you know, everyone's like, oh, we're going to get, you know, the the we're going to be the the number one you know, victim. You know, we're going to be the Christopher Newport or we're going to be the um, Tufts or the Amherst or someone. No, I thought this was the kind of game they would get. And I I think the committee respects them a bit here with this game. I love well, it. Well, they they certainly get an opportunity, right? They get an opportunity yeah. to prove something that um that you know, we've been looking for them to prove, although, you know, we've ranked them 15th anyway. Um and uh, you know, they've already beat Franklin and Marshall, so why not take on another of the uh Division 3 uh royalty, right? Yeah, and absolutely. another Division 3 royalty head coach, Lancaster Bible. Uh, could bring the entire undergraduate enrollment of 835 and not fill half of the Dufour Center. So I, I hope that they all get on their bus and come down to DC. I, 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 I think do. they'll. I hope they'll travel well. I hope they will. Um, and interesting enough, I'm I, it, I'm not voting against Catholic by saying they won't make it out of the wing, weekend because I don't think Catholic's good. I just think there's some really interesting matchups here. Um, Catholic could certainly get it done at their place. They certainly seem to be a little more fired up in the last half of this season than they were the first half of the season. Um, it's just well, that Worcester and Lancaster Bible, such, such, uh, you know, I don't know how to figure out what, what's going to happen in the second game. Remind me, Dave, I know that, um, I know Catholic has media timeouts at home during their regular season games. Is that a landmark conference everywhere or just some teams? Just Catholic apparently in the landmark. Well, it's played to their strength, which is their lack of depth, right? So, um, that's helpful to them. Uh, they continue to have that opportunity, and does it come more often now, or were they doing 16, 12, 8, No, they're 4? doing the exact same as the media. They're, they're built exactly like the NCAA tournament, so they're at least familiar so, with those breaks. Yeah, and so they know, and, you know, that means Coach Howes knows how to deal with it, you know, yep. knows how to ride, you know, is it appropriate to try to ride the momentum or try to ride out when things are going bad until you get to the media timeout? Sometimes, you know, coaches who don't deal with that on a regular basis struggle with that in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, instead of taking a timeout when things are getting out of hand, they hope to try to get to under 12 and, and it just falls apart. Yeah, on. And that's definitely, I think, going to be a disadvantage. Nothing against Coach Phil's in Lancaster Bible, but Steve Moore has been through that. Steve Moore's um, been through pretty much everything. Yep, pretty much. So, uh, a fascinating little right-hand corner. Uh, Final four. <sighs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to pick one out of this. It, I'm going to change it six ways by the time we hit Thursday. Man, I, I I can't decide at the moment between John Carroll and Benedictine. Um, that should be pretty interesting, and um, uh, that's in the top left. In the bottom. Left. I already talked about Babson, but Amherst is not uh, anybody to sneeze at either. And I don't know enough about Plattsburgh State. They could make a run. Tufts, again, very possible. How's that? I picked four teams out of that bottom left. Um, <laughs> Augustana versus Whitworth versus 
maybe St. Thomas versus maybe Emory. That game takes place at Augustana, I guess. Um, and that would, be, would I would favor Augustana if that's at Augustana yeah. in the sectional. I don't know where that that could. Yeah, well, St. Thomas is a one. Augustana is a two. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter where Whitworth is, and Emory's going to fly in anyway. So and the Tommy the Tommy women could Tommy women are going to pro- yeah that that'll be the the wrinkle maybe in that decision. Yeah, because they're uh, they're uh, airport located. Mm-hmm. All right, um, but I will go Augustana in the top right, and then I've been trying to figure out ways to pick against Christopher Newport only because Christopher Newport's been to the round of 16 a lot. They've yeah. been to the round of eight just one time, I believe, in 2001, and they really haven't been very deep in the tournament since. Uh, some things have changed there, obviously, in the course of the last five or six years, too, uh, which you know should encourage me to try to wipe the, the past clean on that. And then Marietta, too. Um, so if it's, let's say it were... No, no, I'm not going to try to project <laughs> where that where those games would be held. Um, but if Stockton comes out, that kind of drags it, that drags the epicenter a little bit to the east. I don't know. Uh, Christopher Newport in the bottom right. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm going to go with four, and I'm not confident in all but one of them. Um, John Carroll. I'm going to go Babson. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you talked me into it. I just got the chance to pick it first. Yeah, Augustana because. I can't imagine that team can't get back. Uh, that being said, that is a tough upper exactly. corner. No, that's a very good point, though, right? I mean, uh, very experienced up yeah. until the final minutes of last season. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I, I said they'd get back. I can't not ride them now. Uh, and then Christopher Newport in the lower right, only because I, I just, I mean, there's all kinds of options down there. I just don't. Oh. Um, yeah, and I don't feel I don't feel very confident in uh, you know obviously CNU's lack of postseason experience. Yeah, um, I've seen know, they, them, and I know they're good. I've seen Catholic, I know they're good. Worcester's gonna be you know, but they're they're not as good as they have. But Marietta's kind of where else yeah. I'm leaning. It's yeah, either Marietta I mean, or Christopher Newport for me. Yeah, and and honestly, I could change this six ways by the time we get to Thursday's show. I may have a completely different Final Four by the time we get there. Um, but yeah, I say Christopher Newport now, but Marietta's just kind of jumping out on the page on me. I'm just going um, back and looking at the Christopher Newport resume one last time. The best win is at Salisbury. Um, they lost, as as we all know, they lost to Scranton, and that game was at home. Um, you know, they played Virginia Wesleyan on the road, who was better then, not as much now. I just, you know, it's not the same as last year, going 20 and 8. Year before, going 19 and nine, you know they did not get in the NCAA tournament in 2015 after losing at a last second at Salisbury. Right, they did not get in the tournament. Uh, they lost in the final in 14. We go back to 13, and now we're talking about seniors who were freshmen. Um, and they did go to the NCAA tournament last year and that year and lost in the uh, second round at Virginia Wesleyan. I forgot that 13 is the year with the odd bracket. Yeah, that was. Uh yeah, that was a second yeah. weekend. Second, yeah, that was. Yep. Yeah, I don't second know. Second game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I can I could argue this this final four six so many different ways. Well, uh, you can pick it again on Thursday if you like. And I can. Well, sir, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, any final thoughts on the brackets before we uh, sign this show off? No, I think they're pretty good brackets, actually. Uh, if you can go through and only make one really major mistake on a line, uh, for example, like here in the men, uh, that's pretty good. I, as always, would love to see. You know, some of these pods swapped, if at all possible. But I think one of the things that you and I just don't really get to understand because we don't 
get to be in the room is what does geography do when they're projecting teams out into the third and fourth round? Absolutely. Right? Yep. We don't Absolutely. know. We don't know what the rules are. We don't know what their guidelines are. We don't know what the uh, what the overseers in Indianapolis are yep. uh, are telling them they can and can't do. Would it have been nice to pull Marietta's pod and swap it with Susquehanna's pod? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been really nice to do that. Could you oh. do that? Maybe not. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, there's. I definitely get that sense from, from conversations that sometimes it's like, yeah. oh, we thought about that, but they 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 projected out that there's a possibility that this could happen and this could happen, and then they right. said no. I said, but there's chances of that, and they looked at me. I'm like, okay, I get you. I get well, you. some years and some years they've been they've been allowed to do that. Right? Well, in some years I think it was one of those. It's like, okay, well, we could do that, or it's going to be this. Yeah. Either way, something's going to happen to us. You know? Send Middlebury and St. Mary's to Rochester. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it as always. Uh, I will uh, catch you around. Um, yeah, I'll still be on the site for a little while. Yeah, I think so. Um, anybody's curious about our coverage, Pat and them will get it updated here in the near future. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. You betcha. Pat Coleman joining us here on the City of Salem Skype Hotline. City of Salem hosting the Men's Division Three. Final Four Championship Weekend, of course, for the 20th time. 19th men's basketball title will be handed out. Congratulations to them for that. Join us in the, in the Roanoke Valley, if you don't mind. We have fun there. All right, so that's four hours of coverage here today. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a lot of time, plus the uh, six-some-odd hours we did last night. We're going to wrap her up. Um, we're going to be back on the air Thursday with more guests. Obviously, we'll talk to go those who are playing in the tournament. Um, answer more of your questions. If you have more questions, feel free to tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Feel free to do that. Appreciate you all tuning in. In the uh, Hoopsville fundraising campaign did get a few little bumps in action uh, during uh, the show. I really appreciate those who have uh, contributed. We extended the deadline to Thursday night. That's the last time we can extend it to. So we have to raise the money by the end of Thursday's uh, evening, Eastern time. We are up to $69. Uh, our goal is $7,500. Here's the key to all of this, folks. If we hit $7,500, we get to keep more money because there's fees, 10% fees up to $7,499.99. They 10% of that money goes away. If we hit $7,500, then 5% of that money only goes away. So for us, we would help. really appreciate it if you could help us um, with this. The money goes towards us upgrading the studio, uh, replacing equipment that I more and more every day notice is failing. Uh, some of the earpiece systems that I use uh, are pretty old and <laughs> need to be replaced. The audio board is old. It's going to need to be replaced, et cetera, et cetera. Upkeep on the computer. It also allows us, more importantly, to travel, take the show elsewhere, uh, allow people, uh, allow us to go see teams and then bring the show and the attention of Division Three to them. So if you appreciate the work we do, if you appreciate how we, you know, the access that we give you to coaches and coaches to their fans, committee members, et cetera, help us continue to do this work and better yet, help us grow what we do. We did more shows this year thanks to the help from you as, don uh, as donors. We were able to expand our coverage at the beginning of the year and be on Sundays and Thursdays when normally we were on for about four Sundays during the first two months. We were on for about, I think it was about six to eight shows this year between November and December, and that was unheard of in the past. So your help helps us, so please consider that. With that, 
Going to wrap it up. I'm trying to remember. Oh, here's my list of guests. Want to thank Michael Meek from George Fox, Carl Danzig from Scranton, Lauren Hill Gregory from NYU, uh, O'Connor Ermey from St. John Fisher, and Kendall Wallace from Mary, I'm <coughs> sorry, LaGrange. Uh, Carrie Carollo, I want to thank her for coming on uh, and joining us as well. Carrie, uh, the Women's Basketball Committee Chair, and then Bobby Morgan, who filled in for her while she was off the call. I want to thank Bobby for coming on and Brian Van Haften on the men's side for coming on as well. Thursday, more guests, more talk, more Division Three breakdowns of the NCAA Division Three basketball tournament. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate it. Take t- uh, uh, If you listen to the podcast, enjoy those. In the meantime... Uh, enjoy the next few days as we get ready for the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the NCAA tournament as well. Congratulations to the 64 women's teams who made it and the 62 men's teams who made it. The march to Capitol in Indianapolis and the march to Roanoke is on. We're looking forward to the trip, and we hope you join us along the way. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the, let me try that again. You've been listening to Hoops Hope from the W. <laughs> can't do it. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to our partners at the City of Salem as well. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you back here on Thursday evening. So long and good luck to everybody competing.